welcome to episode six of the Sanction Extremist podcast. I am your host, the Noise Marine. <laughs> Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I really did. And Jackson, engine seer. Thank you. Yeah, or the engine seer. I'm I'm not fussy on the uh, no. As uh, long as it's somewhere. Yeah. Cool. Um, as I said, yeah, this is episode six, and we have got loads of news to get through, and we have got so, a huge uh, main section, main focus to talk about that I've been really excited to talk about. Uh, even since day one of planning the podcast, I said I want to do an episode where I just talk bollocks about this for ages. Yeah, what? you want to tell them what you're going to talk about? <laughs> no, I want the suspense to be real. I'm going to put it in the show notes though. On the all right, I'm going to talk about Dawn of War. Uh, should we go straight into the Imperial Truth then? I've got a couple of things. Oh, I just want to get off my chest first. Okay, <laughs> okay, go for it. The goddamn leather fucking pouches that Space Marines have for their like ammo and their equipment. Yeah, yeah. What I'm looking at them, and I used to always just take it for granted that they had those. Now I'm yeah. looking at it, and I'm like, okay, you've got these like heavily armored gauntlets, but you can open. They've got the little metal poppers on them. Yeah, they can't fucking open them. Bullshit, right? That, that's the only thing I want to get off my chest, really. It's just, it's really bugging me. And every time we do one of these podcasts, I put it in the fucking notes and I always forget about it. So I make sure I write it down this time. Well, you've had your moment in the sun. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, yeah. that's episode six. Yep. See you next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bye. Uh, okay. So, uh, uh, no, no, don't, you're, you're not getting away that quickly. Oh, I was trying to get into the next section before you stop ranting. The only other thing I wanted to say was does anyone else have the need, nay, compulsion? <laughs> <laughs> When they go on the Games Workshop website or the Warhammer community site, where when it pops up to say, do you want to agree to cookies? I always click yes. Since the GDPR came in, so for people outside of Europe or maybe England, that's like yeah. Data Protection Act. So we always get asked if you go on a website, you have to agree to them to use cookies. <clears throat> I'm usually kind of hesitant and I go into the options on other websites and turn it off. Yeah. But, mate... I'm just like suckling out the teat of Games Workshop. <laughs> Every time I go on the Warhammer community thing and it pops up, I'm just, just stick it to my veins. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know if anyone but else they... felt like that. <laughs> uh, I have not given it a second thought. No. I, I go okay to all of them. Like, I don't care. Like If they want to know what I'm up to, then go for it. They're just going to be really bored. Right. Imperial truth time. What's new? What's happening? Right, well... We were both having a chat just before we started and talking about our sections of Imperial Truth and we both have got very similar things to talk about. So I want to start off at the bottom of my list because I'm a maverick, right? I've put Psychic Awakening question mark. What the fuck is it? I don't, right? I don't really There's know. There's too many ambiguous trailers <laughs> and some Eldar stuff and I'm like... I don't care about I, Eldar. I, I, I know this is a 40k podcast. We're meant to be like, yeah, man, 40k. I literally couldn't care less at the moment. No. I, I mean, I'm so like, oh, psychic awakening. I'm like doing that thing where I'm like, it's probably going to be shit. But like, I'll, I'll get, I'll make, I'll make it seem like, or I'll sort of think like, oh, it'll probably be naff. And so I'll set my standards really low. Yep. And then when it's better than that, I'll be like, wait, brilliant. Hopefully, you know, I'll look back on this moment and go, wow, man, was I fucking wrong about psychic awakening? But at the moment, we've had that really ambiguous trailer on yeah. the community website with the Inquisitor saying bad shit's going to happen but let's be honest when isn't bad shit happening yeah so it's grimdark grimdark so no no fucking surprises there and then we've had the Banshee classic Banshee advertised okay I'm um, Eldar whatever and then 
we've had the incubi. Well, I've heard I've heard people call it the incubi, but get in the bin. Mate, it's, it's incubi. I'd say incubi. Right. I actually uh, quite like that model. Incubi. Whoa. Now I'm teetering on the edge quite often with getting two armies. Right. Yeah. Gene Steeler Colts. I'm teetering on the edge all the time. Got my fucking cart set up, ready to go, <laughs> but I, I won't pull the trigger because I've got too much other fucking shit to do. But Dark Eldar are like a close second place because man, they are nasty motherfuckers, and there's nothing more grim dark than Eldar that have just given in to their their lusts and their carnal desires, carnal desires, and they just go about and fucking skin people for fun. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? Oh, it sounds pretty painful. But... Um, so, yeah, I, I'm quite into the Incubi. I mean, I'm not super into all, like, the witch cult stuff they have with, like, the sort of bondage kind of, like, running around combat guys. But, I mean, they're not bad. Um, but I really like the, the Cabal side, like, the, the, the warriors with all the armour and, like, the Incubi are part of that as well. Um, so, yeah. And the more I talk about it, right now I'm going, fan, I want to fucking collect Dark Eldar. And if they get some cool shit coming out in this, then I'm going to be uh, really excited. I mean, so I really love the Incubi model. I think I'm less interested because all I can think is, Die, Xenos! But yeah, well. I do also think when you look through the uh, Eldar models and stuff, those players haven't had like much new in quite a while, We whereas we've been really spoiled. Um, so, yeah, I think it yeah, would be Yeah, no, cool. we have. And, and I think if there's some cool Incubi stuff coming out and Dark Eldar stuff, I will... I'll do that thing where I'll go, oh, I'll just get a kill team, and then 200 pounds later, yeah. <laughs> I've got an army and even more stuff to paint. Yeah. Um, but so I'm really interested to see where that goes. And then we had the um, Banshee Exarch, the leader. Well, you've got to have an Exarch. Yeah. And it's got the two options where it's got the, the Inari one. Um, so the Inari, do you know about them? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't really. The Inari are like a sort of new faction within the Eldar. Where they've had this cult uh, arise with the, apparently the god of the either avatar of the god of death, I want to think, comes back and they rally all the Eldar from both sides, Dark and Craftworld, to their new cause. Like basically, we've got to stick together to fight chaos and the bad things in the universe. So it's like Eldar undivided. Exactly. And they follow the, the these three Yanari guys. Um, they were in a recent white, white dwarf. They did redid all the rules for them and stuff. Um, so they've got the Banshee Exarch with the mask, yeah. it's like the Craft World one, and they've got the Yanari one who's unmasked. Because usually I think they're meant to be have their mask on all the time. Oh, they're, they're I, thought, new... I thought it was just like different head options or something. It is a different head yeah, option. Yeah, but, but I it think actually it's meant means to be... something yeah, different. Yeah, it does mean oh, something. Okay. It's not just a, a nice part. Yeah, because, I mean, the only other thing I thought about the Psychic Awakening was, like, people were saying, oh, there's this picture of all the different, like, faction icons. On a map. Yeah, and, yeah. like, they were saying, oh, apparently all of these guys are going to get new psychers or they, these are going to get psychers now and i was like but i looked and i was like well thousand sons are there i mean <laughs> mm. i think they've got a couple already so I've, i don't really know what's going on mm, i think my initial gut reaction is there's it's going to be like a worldwide campaign thing they used to do back in the day where you'd like there'd be a huge event and you kind of like play games and you like phone in your results yeah something like that which doesn't overly appeal to me no me either um but, I, mean, I mean, if it, we it get could cool be good. models, that's the thing. You, you're probably going to get good models. I think the problem with for me is, um, like we said last podcast, we wanted to talk about uh, Vigilus quite a bit, yeah, because that the lore to that is actually like quite interesting, and it just it sort of 
it came out and no one talked about it. And now we're on to the next thing, and I just haven't got enough time. Well, that's the trouble is, like, back in the day, a book, a supplement would come out, and then that would be it for a couple of years. Yeah. So you could really, like, get into it and sort of, like, pick it apart and get all the good things out of it. But now things are coming out so quickly, which is not a bad thing at all, because it's good that we've got loads of content. But for people who, you know, got busy lives and working and stuff, sometimes you don't have a long time just to, like, sit down and... Uh, go through stuff yeah and then so it, stuff's it, coming out so fast like literally like a month ago we had that, that brand new space marine stuff and now they're like bashing through all the chapter releases yeah. and like it's like whoa every day there's something new which is amazing but i'm like i'm not gonna complain i was no. gonna say like that's bad but it's not but it ties up will, yeah there it, will be lulls in the in the release schedule i imagine yeah we we'll, can kind of catch up a hope, bit, but. hopefully with all this uh, uh potential eldar stuff that's going to come out but i think Just ignore it yeah <laughs> it ties up that thing though where like if we were kids, we'd be stoked because you'd have enough time to get into it, but you wouldn't no have money the money. To buy it. Whereas, and the, like Games Workshop, like, come on, you, you need to think about us. We, we've got lives outside of Warhammer. Not, yeah. I haven't got much of one outside of Warhammer, but like, it's taken up with real life shit. I got back in and got the Space Marine Codex, and there's the new one, and I'm going to buy the new one, and probably should have done for this podcast, really, but I'm, I haven't got any money. So I spent it all on that fucking Age of Sigmar box set. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. We don't tell them about us cheating on, on uh, yeah on 40K. 40K. We definitely haven't gone overboard and bought the Age of Sigmar starter set and the mini starter set. And, well, yeah, let's, let's stop there. Uh, yeah. Let's keep on track. Warhammer, though, isn't it? It's Warhammer 40,000, Warhammer Age of Sigmar. But, as we said, we did feel like we were cheating a little bit. Well, we were. So we'll, we'll keep that on the down low. So th- that's probably it for Psychic, Psychic Awakening. Psychic Awakening, like watch this space i suppose probably things will happen by the time this comes out yeah it'll probably be all released and we'll look like idiots but i mean i hope something really mental happens like fulgrim comes back and kills gilliman <laughs> and then fucks the emperor <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, like, like literally not metaphorically literally fucks him i i don't think that's gonna happen Mark. Mate, can you imagine the neck beard rage on the internet i'd love it just really like or do an age of sigmar like the, that's it. Abaddon's blown up the universe. Mate, to be fair though, and we we forty thousand Age of Sigma. <laughs> <laughs> we said we weren't going to spend too long on these sections, but I yeah. have been hearing people say it's going to be end times for forty k again because of all this new stuff they're building up to it, and I'm like, mm. I hope not. They won't wipe out a cash cow like that. Please tell they, me it won't happen. <laughs> well, it's like vigilous, isn't it? Like at the end of the day, I won't spoil anything that happens, but nothing really major happens, does it? There's no systemic change. No. Well, let's keep on track. Um, right. And I've got a... I didn't apologise at the beginning when we did the fucking intro, but I, I don't know if anyone notices, I have been definitely blessed by Nurgle. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, my throat's kind of going a bit... Uh, Infested with Nurglings. Yeah. So, I, yeah, apologies if I start having, like, a coffin fit halfway through some important uh, information. Oh, and just before we move on, man, you know that Dark Eldar? What, what was it called? The Incubi. Mate, did you, see, did you see the meme where they had him in a canoe? <laughs> no because he's got that two-handed fucking like it looks like some klingon weapon to me i can't remember what the fuck it's, it's called clavex or something well yeah one of them but oh, that's why i just it just the, the name just popped into my brain just then well done but yeah, yeah the, i could be wrong because he's holding it like two-handed and like, like across his chest they yeah. just dropped him in a canoe and it, yeah I, I really enjoyed that that was a good meme i think i i, I think that's the thing i enjoy most about 40k it's just memes what ruining it <laughs> yeah <laughs> just yeah. taking a piss um, Speaking yeah. of memes, what? Oh, um, oh. <laughs> shall we go to uh, the Space Marine chapters releases? Yeah, the and first founding chapters, guys. I have picked one of these books up. 
Have you? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I picked it up to... Remember last episode, I was like, it better be a, a decent tone. Oh, you mean you literally picked it up? I picked it up to check the girth. Yeah. Um, and Big it, enough for you? Um, mate, to be honest, no. Oh. But not like a codex. It's not like a supplement like those old... Like that Catachan's one like up the there. The one up there, the codex Catachan, yeah. It's definitely thicker than one of those. I think whatever GW are charging, I think it's 17 or 18 quid... That doesn't sound too bad, actually. That's fair. Yeah, it's not too bad. But, like, I went into local hobby shop. It was 14 quid. And I'd spend oh, nice. 14 quid on it. And I, I will when the uh, fifth one, one comes yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, of course you will. Of course you will, yeah. And, and, if, that, and if I had a, you know, I want to get the Ultramarines one. So I will get it. Yeah. Like, no question. And 15 quid is not extortionate. No, man. I, I think, and considering as well, it's not like when you get Codex Space Marines and you only want to read bits because it's a chapter that you're actually interested in, so you're going yeah. to want to read all of it. And Codex Space Marines is quite neutral now, isn't it? It's just got the basic stuff, like yeah. a few basic chapters, but all the colour comes from the other stuff. Yeah. Um. So who did you want to start with? Should we do, should we do a chronological order? Well, do you want to jump in on the uh, Iron Hands and Raven Guard stuff? Because I've got a couple of things to say about the fists. Okay, well, yeah. um, we had our Raven Guard release, and we had Primarisified Chapter Master Shrike. Yeah. Who, from what I've seen, um, has been quite divided in on the internet in terms of people liking it or not. People aren't a fan of the emo hair, the fringe. Yeah. I, The fringe wasn't the thing that upset me. I loved the fact he was standing on, like, a weird bunker thing. It was something about the pose, and... It's really, it's really like meaningless for me to say this, but there's something about it I just don't doesn't grab me. Something I don't know what it is, but there's something about me it doesn't just go. That is awesome. I want it. I mean, the claws, you know, all right. You know, I wasn't a fan of the claws on the back of his legs. Like I don't know what the deal is with that, but and the pose as well. It just I don't know. I mean, I might see it in person and go, actually, no, that's really great. But just looking at it, I was just I was like, I was unmoved by it. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm I'm happy for Raven Guard players because they've got, you know, got the guy back. And and actually in his original non primaris form, again the model was particularly super great posing wise. But yeah, so they got their mini codex and all the stratagems and all those cool stuff. And then we've got the Iron Hands, who I'm a big fan of because I just like the idea that they're these cold more so than regular Space Marines, cold, methodical robot motherfuckers. Yeah. They were literally they're like like it's like Mechanicum level stuff. Like, yeah, they're just like they will do things that are logic based and number based and like there's all the humanity, like the opposite of salamanders, like the all the humanity taken out of them. Yeah, even more so. Um, and the upgrade sprue I thought looked awesome. Although, yeah, like the even for regular Marines, like because obviously regular Marines are gonna have robotic. Or, like, augmentations with yeah. like the wounded and stuff. But, yeah, I was, like, really into that. I thought that was awesome. Um, and I loved their Iron Father uh, model with his little gun over his shoulder. And his. I just... I, I was really into it. I thought that was really cool. It, he, he's super cool because it's got that Tech Marine vibe, but... Yeah, that's basically what he is. I don't get why they leaked that so long ago because i remember seeing that picture ages ago and thinking man that's pretty bad that was a really long time ago and then now they finally released it and gave him his name whereas shrike was just like pretty much like the week before wasn't it or, or a couple mm. of weeks before really release. close to the actual release so yeah but i mean i don't care about the raven guard really i don't really know anything about them no. um and iron hands i like um and i like ferris but he's dead so 
Fuck. See, I thought Iron Hands would be really up your street because you like the Mechanicum. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just thought you'd be really into them. Well, I think I do really like... I like them in concept, but because I'm already into the Mechanicum, it's kind of more, it's much of a muchness. Or I totally get More that. of the same, you know, however you want to phrase it. That's yeah. Right. I don't really know. One thing I did want to say, though, is I really am into um, the, oh, we haven't seen the Fists one, the Salamanders yet, but we've had the Ultramarines one, haven't we? Um, I really like the fact that they're making the Space Marines on the front covers of these look really, like, ugly. Yeah, because it's really tempting to make them like be like sort of clean cut and heroic looking and stuff. But at the end of the day, this guy, like Space Marines, they are battle hardened. They're gonna have covered in scars. They've got their waxy skin because of the um, the upgrade, the, not the upgrades, the augmentations after their body, and and they're like weather beaten and they're just and they're bald basically, and they just look. They don't look like oh man, it's this heroic handsome knight figure. He's just like a potato faced veteran guy do you know what i mean and i and even the raven guard one with this like floppy hair over the top i just thought that's what they would look like they wouldn't look nice no they man be like this rugged weather beaten killing machines killing machines and and they've spent god knows how long in their armor i mean yeah <laughs> yeah um and so um as we speak um we have got the um we're waiting upon the Imperial Fists and Salamanders release. Oh they? man, and, and we had the fucking characters like I know everyone's already seen this stuff, but Torgaradon, man, not to be confused with Torgadon, um, but I looked at that face and I, I was like, fucking hell, it's Kurt Russell. Yeah. I got so into that. And then someone else was like, no, it's Jay Leno. And I thought, oh, I can see that as well. Both. But I, I like the Kurt Russell vibe. So yeah, he's the captain of the third company and yeah. he's got the grav gun i don't actually know what a grav gun does you want to explain it to me uh it's <coughs> a gun that they introduced i think in seventh ed and it's a new kind of gun and it basically is better at killing heavier stuff like heavy armored stuff oh, okay um because obviously they're heavier so it crushes them i think that's the vibe oh okay well yeah that, that makes sense so he's got his grav gun and he's got the hand of defiance <laughs> Which is basically a big fucking power fist. It's a big, and it almost looks funny compared to his normal hand. Yeah, it does. It's got like little hand and then massive hand. But he, that uh, that model, I gen- like, unlike Shrike, I saw it and went, "That is awesome!" Like straight away. And he looks like an imperial fist, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. He's really, really good. I, I like it because he's like where where they've kind of put Shrike on the scenery to make him look a bit bigger. He's just like Tor Garadon just has a bit in front of him because he's just like yeah, he, and he's. He's wearing that Gravis armor, the Primaris yeah. armor, and it looks doesn't look like Gravis armor as such. It like the aggressors do. It looks like I've just got like hench Terminator armor. It looks more Terminatory than yeah. Gravis, I think, which is cool. I, I really like that model. I, I looked into it because um, I, I, I obviously I'm more Crimson Fist than Imperial Fist, so yeah. I didn't I didn't really know who he was. So I had a quick look into it, and um, yeah, he first originally come out. It was the sentinels of terror supplement which was in 2013 right which has got the like imperial fist guy shooting a bolter on the front um and yeah he was in that as the sergeant of the first company Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a figure for him it was just stats right Uh, and it wasn't that good i don't think because he had like a decent bolt gun that was like was it it was oh sorry mastercrafted bolt pistol and it ignored cover um but he took up an hq choice which was a bit right. weird because he was the sergeant, 
but then he's taken up the HQ choice and the weapon wasn't... Like, it was all right, but it wasn't that good. No. But also, I think the uh, Sentinels of Terror supplement was really pushing in the fluff from what I've seen, uh, like Lysander and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's not, like, any stats for Lysander or anything in there or anything which is a bit weird and apparently it was like universally panned apparently it's a really really shit supplement oh really (laughs) i've never heard of this i think it was designed to sell centurions because that's when they came out and it's really pushing those in the book it's interesting you were saying about him the new character being a sergeant first and then becoming a captain because um lysander used to be in the old space marine codex i'm talking third ed yeah and he was a sergeant, Lysander, then. Yeah. And then he became a captain. They like so. their progression, don't they, Games Workshop? For Imperial Fists, it seems, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's Tor Garadon. Um, but, yeah, basically, Sentinels of Terror gets, like, one trebuchet out of five. <laughs> <laughs> trebuchet out of five. It's just, like it. It's not that good. Um, and then we got... Salamanides. Which... How are you going to say the surname? It, I don't know, but isn't it Andrax something? No, it's... Well, I've got Adrax or Adrax. Oh, right. I'm just going to call him Agrax Earthshade. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Because I, I looked at it and it's... Because it's, that's the only way I'm going to remember it. I just read it and go, that sounds like Agrax Earthshade, so it, I'm going to call him that. It does. Mr. Earthshade. Yeah. yeah. It does look like his the, the surname is Agatone, but I like thinking it's Agatoni. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it's Adrax Agatoni. But yeah, I mean, I looked at it. He's... Sounds like a pizza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Have you, have you looked at the stats or... Or just I've the looked model. at zero stats. I've just looked at the model, and he looks how I imagined a salamander primaris would look. He's got his like lizard cape. Man, he's got his flamer weapon, and that that fucking cape. That ain't no joke. Because I looked at the stats, oh, and right. that's it's the uh, the Drake hide cloak, of course. And it reduces if he's been attacked or hit by weapons. It reduces their damage characteristic by one. Oh right, can't go lower than one. But it's, it reduces it. So it actually, it's not just a scaly cloak. Like, it actually does something. It's um, pretty cool. I really like that model. I don't really like the salamanders that much, but I really like what they've done with him, especially even though the the torch on the top of him looks like it's kind of rubbed off one of the um, Horus um, and um, Gilliman models. Yeah, I know yeah, I know what you mean. It's very similar in it, but yeah, I really liked it. Uh, and looking at him, I mean, he's got the, the Dracus flamer, which is like... Assault D6 Flamer. Standard. But 12-inch range. I think they're normally Ooh. like eight. And it it's kind of looks like more of a pistol. It's it a does. much smaller Flamer, isn't it? And it's... Um, that was the downside to Flamers, is that they, their range was shorter than people's charges. So you could charge outside of eight inches. You wouldn't be able to shoot your Flamer in Overwatch. But, but now, he's got yeah. 12-inch range. And it's Strength 4, which I think is usual for Flamers. Yeah. But it's AP minus one, which they don't. I don't which think, is unusual for standard flamers. Yeah, they don't usually have that. The basic ones, do they? Heavy flamers are strength five minus one. Yeah, from what I remember. So I mean, like that's pretty good it's in right, itself. It's handy. But plus, he's got the Malleus Noctum, which is the uh, big old hammer thing he's got. Oh, the mallet. Um, and that's yeah, the, the mallet of death. Yeah. Um, and that's strength times two, which I haven't seen before because I'm still a fucking noob with Warhammer, like actually playing the game. Um, but he's a strength four, or so it's eight then. And it's like I was a power like, fist. Power fist do that. I was like, man, that, double strength. That's pretty good. He's definitely going to malleus up some people with that. Yeah. So I mean, Agrax Earthshade gets a thumbs up from me. He yeah. seems pretty cool. I'm pretty chuffed that you looked at the rules. Oh man, I know. I've, I've got to do some fucking homework, haven't I? <laughs> Between these podcasts. I'm proud of you, well done. Oh, 
Are you, is that the last you're going to say about salamanders? That's all I'm going to say about any of the new space There's, marine stuff. Obviously, one thing that happened right after our last episode released and has been nothing since, obviously, Sisters of Battle. Oh, yeah, shit, because that's coming in, what, October or November? You get November, the, the I think. Yeah. My short summary is I like what I see. Yeah, it looks good, doesn't it? I love the box. I it really like be, the box. I, I think I like the box more than anything else, as you said. Um, the plastic sisters look great. I love the little burnt heretic on the base. Yeah. Thumbs up from me. The uh, new penitent engine. And I like the other thing. I don't think it's really weird, but I like that they have different haircuts. Um, well, yeah. they've got the classic sister, like, short cut, haven't they? Some of them have got short hair. Yeah. Some of them have got, like, a shaved head, which, why not? And I just, and they look... Well, it's practical. Well, yeah, and they look battle-worn. And I like the fact, also remembering all the stuff I like now, that... <laughs> And that Battle Sister squad you saw, the five of them, yeah. most of them have got helmets on. Yeah, I know. Which it's... was cool, because those helmets look really cool. They do, don't they? They're like, um, I'm trying to think, not the um, Skitari Vanguard. It's just got that... They do look like Vanguard helmets. It's, it's, um, it's not medieval, though. I'm trying to figure out what that, what that kind of armour is like they modelled it off. It's like a medieval, they're called Sales, Sales or Salets, where it's... S A W L E T. Yeah. I don't know if the T is silent or not. But basically, it's a, it's a half helmet that came to about your nose. Yeah. And it's got a slit for the eye, and it's like goes back to the back of your head. And the bottom part of you wouldn't have any armor on because the idea would be you'd have like a, a called a gorget or gorget, which would be like this bit of armor that sits under here. Yeah, like the so space you take your head got sort of. Yeah, but yeah. it pointed up, so the helmet would. You take the, yeah, if you had the helmet off, you'd have the top of your head bare. Yeah. You put this salé on, or whatever you have, want to say, I don't know, I'm not a medieval historian, but you put it on and it kind of comi- completes the armour. Yeah, so it's like a late medieval look. So that covers. That's what it reminds me of. That covers your head and your spinal cord, and then and the gorget yeah. covers your throat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you've got more movement in your head then. So you kind of, you're you're exposed. You probably have like, um, like a male coif, like a head thing to protect you as well. So this is like, we're talking like late medieval when armour was just. Until they invented guns, armour got so good that it was almost impenetrable to regular weapons. Yeah, man, I mean, everyone needs a coif. range. Um, <laughs> um, I know a surprisingly large amount about medieval armour there. I know, it was... It was, was a, a three things, of three words that no one else has ever heard of, probably, or cares about. Many hours wasted on YouTube watching videos about medieval armour. I think that was, you know, totally un-40k related. Well, I had but... Julius Caesar last time. Yeah, fucking, fucking hell. history time. <laughs> history time with the noise marine. Yeah, I love it. Um, right, that is all the imperial truth I have. Apart from... Oh, <laughs> it's even more. <laughs> when will it end? Man, they're bringing back fucking combat cards. Oh, yeah. But they're not the combat cards. They're not, unless they've got goblin green bases, I don't want to know. Because combat cards should be how I remember them. They're not. Ah, oh, I don't want to know. Do you know what they've done? And they made a game on the, on it, the app. It's app only. <sighs> Ugh. I know. I'll probably play it. I was really excited, <laughs> and then I was like, it's only the app, so that means it's going to be like half stone, isn't it? It's going to be a money-making thing, so... Oh, yeah. And the only other thing that's vaguely relevant was they did, like, the... the or they're doing the Age of Sigmar Conquest. Yep. Um. So that got me thinking, maybe we'll get... A Necromunda conquest, no way. No, no. Or, or conquest Forge World edition. Imagine that, like you pay like two quid for the first thing, and you just get a bunch of Forge World stuff. Do it, Games Workshop. 
That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I'd save so of much money. Of all the things that you'd think they would release, that is probably right at the bottom of the pile. Wait, no, that's, I don't even think that's on the pile, is it? No. That, that's not even considerable. On to Lifting the Veil, our law section. Indeed. Um, do you want to start? Uh, I finally got a fucking paperback. Well, I say finally. I got Legion, but I still haven't read it. Um, I went and got... Real bookie book. Yeah. A Thousand Sons. And I've read precisely... I smell heresy. Yeah. 28 pages of that I've read so far. Um, it's a bit of a slow burn, but it's, it's definitely going somewhere. You're, you're on. You can't. You can't say it's a slow burn after reading twenty-eight <laughs> pages. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've mentioned Magnus, but he ain't turned up. There's been a lot of sand so far. Yeah. Pyramids. Uh, they haven't said pyramid. There's been allusions to grand structures. Um, All right. But I haven't really got into it. I haven't had time. But I like the writing style. I like the cover of the book. That's all right. Um, Who wrote the, uh, that one? Graham McNeil. Oh, okay. Good old Graham. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a good book, but I just I really need to know more because obviously I've, I think I forgot to say I went and bought the Thousand Sons Kill Team. I don't think I think you posted that. it on the Insta. Yeah, that you um, bought it. So I wanted to get more into the backstory because I can't be bothered to buy the Codex yet. I'd rather yeah. read the. And book. you was into it from um, Black Legion. Yeah, wasn't you? So yeah, I mean there you go. There's a 28 page review of that so far. <laughs> um, and so yeah, watch this space to see what your review is in the end. Yeah, and and you mentioned uh, Hell's Reach um, the other month. And yeah. Because I, I never finished that on YouTube, so I got the audiobook, and I've 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 done that now. Yeah. Um, I really fucking like that man. Hell's Reach. Another tick for Aaron Dembski Bowden, mate, for being it, pretty good. That that was a good. I mean, I, I already was going through it on YouTube, but I didn't finish it, and it was that that last stand, mate. I, I've put in my notes for it. No retreat. No surrender. Because like that is so fucking like badass. It's like totally how. When you read bits of fluff, like how space marines are perceived by people, that's how they act in that book. Titans amongst mortals kind yeah. of thing. And Grimaldus is just an awesome character. I, I really liked him because he's, you know... I will die on this world. Oh, fucking hell. I like the, the juxtaposition in the story that he's like this grim chaplain and like how he will look in his full armour, but he takes his hat... I keep saying hat, his helmet off. Yeah. And they're like, he's got kind eyes. Yeah, I remember that line. That's weird, isn't it? And yeah, man, that's quite cool. I like that. Yeah, man, I really like Grimaldus. I thought he was a badass character, and I wanted to learn more about him as well. And I, I was kind of reading about him on, like, fandom and some of the, like, web pages. And I was like, yeah. oh, fuck it, I'll just do Hell's Reach. Um, so, yeah, that was an audible credit well spent. Would you recommend me getting it? Uh, next audible credits? I've got one in the bank, so. Didn't you already do it on, on the YouTubes, though? Um, I got about two thirds of the way through it. Oh yeah, I watched man. it during a painting session and never carried on. So, I'd I'd say get it. I think I got a little bit lost in a couple of places, but nothing that sort of really derailed me. Sure. The the intro of it's a bit long, but I mean it's a it's a decent length audio book. So I mean that that, that doesn't take anything away from it. I mean I I'd be giving that a solid like five croziuses out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and th- there was a couple of really sick bits. In there, I don't think it's going to ruin anything. Um, you've got all the infantry, all the uh, astro- guardsmen. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I, I'm just thinking they're like just total cannon fodder. But um, I think it was Grimaldus sa- says it. He's talking about the sound of las guns, and he's he's saying about um, hearing the first fire of las guns, 
I like how it's such an awesome sound because it's the first time that the infantry are able to like vent their frustration because obviously they've been dug in and they're waiting and waiting for the enemy to get close enough. And like potentially that could be for a couple of days sometimes, couldn't it? And then all of a sudden you've got all these guardsmen finally get to fucking start going for it. And then I guess it's just a relentless barrage of, mm. of Lazfire. And there was also a really nice bit in there where Grimaldus is uh, talking about his brother Bayard, I think the guy's name is, and he's talking about his armour and saying, like, how much of a relic his armour is and saying that there's bits, like, anyone that doesn't know Hell's Reach, it's basically it's Black Templars, and he's saying about this armour being chipped, you know, all over the place because it's been through so many battles and things. And he's saying that if it's, like, stock armour and then you're, like, a new recruit, the battle damage would be grey underneath the black. But for Bayard it's the gold yellow of the Imperial Fist because it's armour from back when they were... Oh, right. The, ...the Imperial Fists, and it's been painted over. It just made me really think how uh, important and limited they are with resources because it's not just like, oh, we're a new chapter, we all get all brand new stuff. You've got this guy who's been through some shit and he's had to, you know, say goodbye and leave his old chapter and start, this, you know, this new founding... And I, I just thought that was really cool. And they're even saying, like, when a tech marine is asked to work on it, it's an honour. The stuff that that armour has gone through is, like, is so important. Like a real yeah, to, like, the uh, history of the Imperium and stuff. And it's, like, treated with reverence. Um, yeah. And I just thought, like, that was kind of a, like, secondary point to anything else that was going on in the story. But these, like, little bits that you get that are, like, a glimpse into the lore that you'd never even considered. I just thought it was really fucking cool. So, yeah, man, I, I really liked Hell's Reach. Cool. You're um, really sending it to me, man. I'll uh, definitely be spending my next credit on the one I've got on that. Yeah. Get into some Grimaldus action. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's is that pretty much all we got for the, the old lifting of the veil. Well, no, I've got... Um, my thing I want oh, to talk shit, about. Oh, shit, sorry, I thought you'd already gone. Oh, God. That's all right. right. Um, I, mine's a quick one. I was a... Um, I've been listening to the next part of Dark Imperium by Guy Haley. Um, read the first one, just called Dark Imperium, and this one is Plague War. So it carries on the story, basically. Um, now, my only notes for this are Bobby G, no die, right? <laughs> um, it's just a, a, a visual, uh, like a, a memory jog there. But um, I said on the, the Facebook group that I was, I'm enjoying it, but I've got one overriding issue with it, right? That no matter how much tension and stuff they put into it, and how much peril Rebute gets into, I know he's not going to die. Yeah, he's going to be fine. So a lot of the tension, or I don't, I don't know how you, or the, the, the kind of, yeah, the tension in the book. The mystery, the uncertainty. That's, yeah, thanks for those words. Um, it's just not there because you go, oh, I'll be all right. Yeah. But, I mean, it reignited my, enjoy, uh, my love of Death Guard. Yeah, because they're great in it as always. There, I love the, the Ultramarines in it were good. The Astromitarum stuff. There's some real like controversial and really like huge issues with Rebute and the the Church. Um, I they, remember they, you saying uh, last episode because I think you just started it last time we podcasted and like, yeah, he's not a fan. <laughs> he he's he endures it because he sees some of the benefit of it and how it, other people. Are, use it as a, as, a, as a good thing, a positive thing in their life. But he fundamentally, I think, just doesn't. Yeah. He's not into like it at all. other Primarchs, 
probably would have told him to fuck off and, and he a few Primarchs would have probably just started yeah. killing people. And he, he tolerates it to that extent. But they, they do something in it that really fucks him over. And, oh, man, he fucking loses his shit. <laughs> like, if you want... if The best bit of it is when he fucking loses his rag with the the church at, right at the end. It's great. Man, I'm, I've... I felt like I was getting told off in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he... And, like... And he, he's always so calm and measured. But he fucking loses his shit. Man, he's you, great. You're saying this to me. Um, just listen to the last bit. <laughs> no, but... What they do is really important, but very controversial. And and yeah, if just to hear him like be like, and he's one thing, and he says it like earlier in the book, so it's not a spoiler, but he's like, you cannot tell me that, uh, what the emperor is. I have fucking walked the same ground as this man, as this person, this yeah. thing. Like you, 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 you cannot tell me what he is and what he isn't. Because he's like, basically, I've fucking been there. I've seen it. I've done it. Don't you tell me what the, who the emperor is. And, and he just, like, just really is, is fucking annoyed by it all. I'm, I'm intrigued just because it sounds so out of character. Because I always think of him as, like, oh, he's a good statesman. He's a leader and stuff. And he's going to, like you said, put up with things because of the, like, yeah. the greater good. No, no pun intended Yeah, there. yeah, definitely, yeah. But, yeah, not so much. No, yeah, he's pissed off. Yeah. Like, royally pissed off. And yeah, he's had enough of the the church. So which kind of makes it um you kind of think, well, where where is this gonna go? Like, is there gonna be a point where he just goes, fuck the church, basically? But he I know he can't do that as such because it's so systemic, but and that's why he tolerates it thus far, because he's like, Well, I've got to, because so many people's faith is based on this, and it's a powerful tool that he can use. Um, but he puts someone in place. Oh, I won't go into it anymore, but I thought you were going to say he put someone in the hospital or something. No, no, no. <laughs> no, don't don't spoil things. No. Uh, well, yeah, I like, yeah, he loses his shit and it, it is well written and I kind of felt like that, for me, that was the best bit in the book. Awesome. Yeah, you're saying it to me because I think one of the things that like you're saying, um, however much kind of doubt is put into your mind about what the outcome is going to be, you, you still kind of reaffirm to yourself that this man's a Primarch and, it, and it's fucking... And Guy Headley does a good job of putting that, conveying that, of how yeah. great he is. But it's kind of like if you if you watch a superhero movie, most of the time, no matter what happens, you think, oh, he's going to be fine. Or for, for the older listeners among you, like Captain Scarlet, where the tagline was indestructible. Yeah. And like, you think he's going to die, but he doesn't. You're like, of course he's not going to die. It's yeah. in the fucking title. Exactly. Obviously, the only exception uh, to that, spoiler alert, being um, Iron Man. Because, <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well, I haven't seen those yet, so don't don't spoil anything for me. Um, but there is, you know, he does get himself into a bit of a sticky situation, yeah. no pun intended, with Mortarion at the end. And I did think, how's he going to get out of this? But obviously he does. Um, but there's no spoiler that he doesn't die. <laughs> like, um, but, so yeah, cool. Yeah, so that about does it for the old uh, lifting the veil. So I'll just have another quick intermission and we'll get straight back into it. Okay, in this next section, we're going to be visiting the annals of the Adeptus Communitas, which in our previous episode, I was trying to think of cool names and I called it the Adeptus Communitatus, which wasn't what I was going for at all, because I was thinking like 
sororitas. And I was like, oh, communitas. Um, fucking hell, I'm, dig- <laughs> I'm digressing so much. Already. So this is basically what we're doing is we're obviously consuming a fuck ton of like 40K content from, you know, be it YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, whatever. Um, and we're just basically picking out the bits that we really liked that thought were worth a mention and that you guys might want to check out. Um, and I believe, Mark, you had some stuff to drop in first. Uh, so I've got uh, Striking Scorpion 82, does some good um, faction review stuff, like uh, tactics and stuff, and some really cool apocalypse battles. And, like, I'm talking fucking really, really fucking big battles. Um, that if you want to paint and listen to people play with ridiculous amounts of points, go for it. Yeah. Like, that, that is honestly great. And all the armies are superbly painted they play on superb tables and it's really good for apocalypse stuff i found they do always good narrative with it as well i'm interested um they did a recent one which came out yesterday i think where they had imperial guard and orcs right (laughs) yeah and they're not small armies are they no and with a small space marine detachment but I mean, every time I see one of these videos, I go, fuck, that's a lot of models. <laughs> um, but they do do like regular size battle reports as well. And one of my favourite battle reports he's done is uh, he did a thousand point one, Admech versus Space Wolves. That was a cool bat rep. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of an older one, but you can check that out. Um, Grim Resolve, um, always good, like amazing painter uh, and does literally purely narrative. And he's playing through the Vigilus stuff at the moment. Um, which I knew you'd pretty be yeah, into. Man. Um, so he's play, using that as his setting, and he's, all his games are based around that. So that's really cool. Uh, GMG Gaming or GMG Reviews. Um, Gorilla something. Gorilla. <laughs> no, Gorilla something gaming. Uh, Gorilla Miniatures Gaming. That's the one. He's a guy called Ash. Um, and I love his content. He does, get, he does pretty much every game you can think of. Yeah. And the reviews are out like pretty much on the spot. Um, oh sweet! Do, uh, does he's he a do Canadian it? guy, and um, does he do unboxings? No, no not damn. necessarily. No, I, I think he that. has done them, but I don't watch him for that. Okay, yeah, fair um, enough. On a checkout, Ash, and he, he occasionally wears like really cool band T-shirts. Not to be like I wear cool band T-shirts, but I think he likes cool music. Like he'll have like hardcore shirts on. Or he had, he had um, the sword the other day and I was like man you have obviously got good music taste. But well, they used to be so good, didn't they? They used to, I funny enough. Speaking of uh, that. I was driving home from that gig of the day yeah. in Leicester and um, I was wreaking some havoc with my Blastmaster noise marine weapon. I laid waste to some innocence. I was driving home and I put the sword record on that first one. Yeah. And I don't think I want to listen to any other sword record ever because that is it. That is done. The sword, go and check them out. Just that one record. And even then it's not as amazing. Ah, oh, dude, I totally forgot. Just, you know, we'll get there in the end. Yeah, in the end. I forgot to give Dark Imperium Plague Wars a rating. Mate, rate it. Right, I'm going to give it, I was going to give it, before I heard the ending, three Laurel Reefs out of five. <laughs> but with the rant at the end, it's a four out of five Reefs. Yeah? Yeah. Man, there's some good laurels. Good. Right, anyway, I've digressed so much, I've gone back to the next section. Um, so, uh, yeah, so um, I know they're kind of an obvious one, but Mini Wargaming... Yeah. Um, and I heard a good review on the um, a review, a good interview on the independent characters where Carl from Independent Characters interviewed Dave. Yeah, the guy with the glasses. No, Dave, the chaos guy. Oh, the guy like, with the long hair. The, like, with the dark black hair. Yeah, black yeah. Hair, the guy. guy's really enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like him. Dave, if you ever listen to this, 
Yeah, you're pretty cool, man. I'm, yeah, man. I'm into I'd love to play a game with him. He his, seems like a lot of fun. His bat reps, I, I fucking, I really like them. Yeah, anytime I see them put a bat rep up and it's him, I'll check them out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, mini wargaming um, for all your, uh, like, 40K needs and AOS stuff. Loads of stuff. Um, Fuck. Although, I'm um, only thing i'm not super fan of and you mentioned this the other day and i've really noticed it now is that they kind of and i think a lot of battle reports do this they assume you know the rules already and they go right that's a four up this is a four up that they don't say it's a four up because of this yeah but i can see how they've got to like shorten it to get it all in but i mean i know the rules so fucking just learn them um <laughs> winters seo yeah got it right this time <laughs> always good shit uh valrak man and like you he's doing like twitch streams and shit now and there's like i've actually seen what he looks like for the first time ever yeah and i've noticed loads of people there's like one photo of him with this really like silly fucking smile on his face and they're just like cutting that out and pasting it on imperial fist marines <laughs> and like he fucking loves it yeah man he's really good in it he's really like on the ball considering yeah. i think he's got kids as well like he does yeah. videos like pretty much daily and i don't i don't feel i have to l- watch or subscribe into any other news 40k stuff no i don't because really i just bother. go barack have a video out and it will genuinely be positive yeah and like in a good way not like he won't just like be like it's amazing his games workshop he'll say if stuff's not quite you know not quite to his taste or whatever and i generally agree with him so valrak well done more hammer which is uh, a youtube channel related to winters similar sort of content get more narrative gaming pretty good shit um i did start watching a bit of d6 evolution they're like a, a oh I, I think i've watched something on that they probably come up on your suggested yeah, watches yeah. That's how i found them and they do competitive stuff they'd be like the best units for this or how to play this properly and i just kind of i watch them and go oh i didn't know that before like good rule stuff but then i kind of think like i don't want to know too much in case it kind of ruins it and i become really like really gamey with all the rules and stuff because we are quite we follow the rules but we're still quite narrative and sort of open with our play especially because i don't know what the fuck i'm doing yeah yeah, yeah. Hey, for you don't watch it because it's just it'll be above your head in a not no not no being harsh not at all man um, but it might actually won't no fuck that it might be actually be worth watching because it might make more sense to you because you've got like your brain's quite high order and you work i'm quite basic and simple in my understanding you're quite you already you kind of jump to the higher level understanding stuff so you might get it more if you watch them probably um, not well yeah don't quote me on that if you try and watch it. Um, and then the last one I wanted to mention, um, I'm going through this really quickly, by the way, um, Snipe and Wib. Uh, again, more cool content. And I liked their last video where they did um, a whole video on the Games Workshop label. Yeah. Talking about metal bands, Bolt Thrower, Saxon, the like. And, and D-Rock. <laughs> oh, man. There were some awful bands. And I mean, I've, I like metal. Let's, you know, let's put it out there. We're both metal heads, but... Um, I want to love Bolt Thrower because of the 40k connection, but it's quite hard. <laughs> like, I really, they really don't warm to me no. in any way. They're like, it's just not, doesn't grab me. I mean, I might be convinced later, but... Um, See, every time I listen to that Kill Chain song, I could get Bolt Thrower tattooed on my face. I'd fight that riff when it kicks in. <laughs> tattooed on your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but to be fair, that is a good riff. Yeah. And I do like like looking at the back of the Realm of Chaos one and seeing like there's noise and there's uh, songs called like Plague Marine and uh, World Eater. I'm like, yeah, man. And this is the metal one. It's like, oh, if I, this didn't have 40k involved, I would not give a shit about this. <laughs> um, so that's good for so if you're like you know into metal like we are, that's worth yeah. a watch. It's an interesting take on it. it's like in the hobby, but not. It's interesting. Um, so 
that's my adeptusing and my communitatusing done. No, nah, man, not communitatusing, just communitasing. All right, communitasing. We're dropping that extra T. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. What uh, have you been up to in your eyeballs and well, brains? Well, community-wise, um, everyone who listened last episode, yeah, it was last episode, we were talking about uh, Red Eagle Studio, who the Bobby was doing uh, this, like, fucking massive 2,000-point Salamander's army. And you were right. That was some cool-looking shit. Yeah, man. And he was, like, auctioning that off uh, for the Campaign Against Living Miserably charity. Yeah. And I saw it. They they did the charity event, and he got, like, two grand for, for it in the auction. And I was like, shit, man, that's pretty good. Like, he got two grand for the army, and Andrew Weller, who I think organised, like, like the, the event, he posted um, the Just Giving page, and they got, like, four and a half grand in total, which is pretty nuts. So cool. fucking well done to you guys. Yeah, um, thumbs up. Yeah, man, big time. And also from last episode, we were talking cold open stories, and I, I saw um, that the guy who runs it, Colin, they had, like, the first... Um, audio drama he did there was seven auditions the second was like 48 auditions and then the third one was 116 and this one he's had like 357 people send auditions in so he's really got wow. his fucking work like cut out for him so yeah if anyone that listens to this like sent one in like nice one because I think probably when you're doing those things like although it must be a lot of work obviously it's great to have a, like a big pool of people to choose from because you know, you've got different roles in mind for different voices, haven't you? So it's probably good to have have a bunch of people. But he did say to me on Instagram because I was I messaged him, and he said to me like, "I think we need to get an intern if we get any more." Because I was like, "Oh man, next time it'll be a thousand. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got to sit there by himself listening to like every every demo, like fucking hell. Tabletop minions who I've been like going on about. Uh, he had Sam Lenz on his. Well, I say fucking on his show, on his fucking YouTube channel, I put a video up. He's yeah. done a couple with Sam Lenz, who's like a pro painter. Um, and it was really cool because just listening to like a seriously pro painter just talking about how he works and stuff, I mean, definitely check out Tabletop Minions. Um, it, it was just really sweet because I'm thinking like pro painters, like they've got like all the fucking most expensive brushes and shit. And he was like, he did most of his work and he showed you it was a, a pack of, I think it was five brushes big synthetic brush is six dollars and that's he said that's the majority of my work i do with these because you get good coverage with them and he said and then like the really really fine detail stuff then he'll use like maybe winds and newtons you know yeah. or whatever sable but i was like shit so he's getting like really good results and most of the work he does is with those because even even the bigger brush as long as you can get it to a good point you can still do quite a bit of detail can't you um but he also said about keeping his brushes like in good nick and um I've just got mine in one of those like uh, desk organizer things for pens, but he said he just got a hairband tied round his water cup thing, and that keeps them all vertical. So then you don't have to think about like if you haven't got um, if the bristles are a bit too soft, they might sort of bow a little bit or anything. There's just like these little tips and things. It that goes are... to show that it's uh, the talent isn't necessarily in the equipment. Is no, it? no, not at like because that's that video of Joe Satriani who's like a famous shredder, isn't he? Yeah. Playing his, one of his songs on like a Squire Strat. And it sounds great. Yeah. Because... Which is like for... Uh, well, of course, actually, he's, he's, this is a guy who usually plays like a two and a half, three thousand pound guitar. Yeah. And you're talking about what's a Squire Stratocaster like? A hundred pounds. Yeah. Tops. <laughs> yeah. And an amp <laughs> in a package. Yeah. So they're not, they're very inexpensive. Um, so yeah, and he plays and it sounds just, well, it doesn't sound as good as his real thing, but do you know what I mean? Like you can tell that... 
it's all in the touch and the, the skill of the person of the person. Yeah, definitely. As opposed to obviously you can't like buy like children's paintbrushes yeah. <laughs> and then expect to do but do you know what I mean? Like yeah. It's it's cool to hear that people doing really awesome stuff. Like not on a budget necessarily, but sort of with Yeah, because it's what works equipment. what works for them. Yeah. And I suppose also um those the biggest synthetic brushes you can be a bit harsher with them in in some respects can't you so yeah um but yeah he was just really interesting to listen to and this guy had fucking he's definitely a metalhead long hair and a beard and everything he had a manila road t-shirt on who are like 80s metal band that kind of got a cult following but i, I really like manila road and it was the album of theirs that i really like crystal logic and he had it on the t-shirt and i was like fuck i'm watching this video yeah. and then so the thumbnail sold it to me, and then I was just totally sold on it. So that was cool. pretty cool. Um, so if you like obscure heavy metal and budget paint options, yeah, watch. definitely. <laughs> One thing I thought was weird was... Um, <laughs> this is so fucking random, and this is going to be like a second of uh, podcast time. Spiky Bits, Rob Bear from Spiky Bits. Yeah. He was reviewing the, um, the new... Uh, got trek model mm-hmm. and he said this is a very 3d model and i was like yeah of course it is <laughs> what does that mean i know i know mark mark's expression at the moment is one of uh bamboozlement yeah bamboozlement go for that I was um, like, yeah that is a well they are quite literally 3d aren't they i know I, rob i really Ma- know maybe he maybe he means more that there's lots of like depth to the miniature like I, I, I mean, everything 3D's got depth. That's what makes it 3D. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so... Lost me there, mate. Send send us an email, Robert. Maybe he's referring to the fact, like, you know, you get some of those older miniatures that look great from the side, like the old yeah. school, like, um, like uh, Imperial Guard model stuff. You turn them on the side and they're very, like, thin. Yeah, squashed. Squashed, there's not much. They're not very wide. Maybe that's what he means. It's all round... But I oh mean, all models go way around. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't even like logic that. Yeah, yeah, um, they're all fucking three D, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's my reaction to that. Uh, I don't really know what else I've got to fucking talk about. I mean, you think we should get into it? Yeah. Well, I think I need to consult those holy texts, burn some sacred oils. I need to look at the remembrances and get ready to divulge all my knowledge. And all my enjoyment of Dawn of War. Okay, right. Well, but I need a wee before I do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, let's take a quick break then, and we'll be back with the main. Oh fuck, we haven't even got a name for the main light section, have we? We haven't got Manus Focius. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back with that. <laughs> Whatever. And welcome back. We are going to dive into our main focus. For this episode, it's going to be Dawn of War. Dum dum! Yeah. Explosions and sound effects. Um, This is something I wanted to be uh, discussing on the podcast all the way back when when we were first texting each other saying, wouldn't it be funny if we did a podcast? (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, because I really love the Dawn of War games. And I know for a lot of people, it's their kind of gateway drug into uh, Warhammer 40k. And I didn't like really Dawn on me <laughs> oh, um, uh, that how important or how great and how much i loved the games um until like recently was he was texting each other again as we always do and i was playing dawn of war and i was thinking i fucking replayed this you know dawn i was playing dawn of war 2 chaos rising i think i must have played this through this campaign 10 times and i still am doing it yeah. like 
when I get a new PC, I download Steam and I download all the Dawn of War games. I just got to have them in my life somewhere. Um, so I thought I could talk about them because I think some people really enjoy Dawn of War. Um, and if you haven't got into Dawn of War, this might sort of fill you in on what it is, if you ever wondered, or yeah, I'm I mean... strongly suggesting, you know, or hopefully get people to try it. And I think for me, like, I'm going to give some context about why it made such an impact on me because um, I think that's really important as to why it sort of stuck with me in a way. Yeah. Um, so let's get going. So um, to give you some context, I've got a list of all of the games that came out for Warhammer 40k, like prior to it, uh, Dawn of War coming out, all right? And there are some top quality shit games on this list, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I won't talk about Space Crusade, came out in 92, because I never the, played it. Is that the DOS one? It you... M- must be. Yeah. I think Sniper Whip did a video on the old yeah. games, right? So watch their video for an update on this. Space Hulk 93, um, again, like Doom almost, but just apparently just horrific to play because it was so hard. Um... So, again, another top-quality product. And you're talking about, like, games like Doom and Quake were coming out this sort of... Leading up to this sort of time. So, And they were so much better. So, again, not top-quality. But Games Workshop, a small company. I can see why the games aren't so great. And then you've got Space Hulk, Vengeance of the Blood Angels. Again, 95. Never played it. Probably not much better. I think I've seen the video of that. And that's... I don't think... Yeah, I don't think it is much better. I watched gameplay. We get on to Final Liberation. Right? Arguably... The best worst soundtrack of all time. Oh yeah, you played me some of that. I love playing it. I honestly, that sounds really sad. I play it while painting. It just because I remember playing it as a kid. It just totally immerses me like, yeah. back into being like escapism, right? But anyway, the actual game, I remember struggling to really enjoy it as a kid, but wanting to enjoy it because it was the only forty k game that I could play at the time, and it was based in like the epic universe, so everything was really small and. Um, and it was all like it was based on kind of like the mechanics of the game. It was all he- it was hexes, man. Like that's ouch. That's, and yeah, so it wasn't super great. Like a like a board game designer has designed a video game kind of thing, and it hasn't worked too 100%. well. Hundred percent. There was no base building or anything. You just you played through the missions, or you could do like a random scenario where you would like build your army, and you had like warlord titans and stuff you could have, but it wasn't as great as it sounds. Is this the one with the titan on the front? Yeah. The red one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know the one, the really old school one, yeah. the, the big walking cathedral thing. That's the yeah. one. Um, so, so again, not another top quality product. If you want to laugh, type in Final Liberation cutscenes to watch some um, top quality acting um, akin to Inquisitor, the video yeah. VHS. Oh, shit, I've seen this. This is... So it's like, oh fuck! What was that um, time crisis clone that your your brother had? Area fifty one on PlayStation. Yes. It's like they've sort of videoed the guys in front of whatever would have been a green screen in in the nineties, and yeah. then like got some really obviously not there and bad CGI. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watch it. You can watch it for some nostalgia value if you haven't seen it since you played the game way back in nineteen ninety seven. But it's good for a laugh. Although I would recommend the official soundtrack, which you can find on YouTube. Um, I don't know where we stand with copyright for that, but I've wanted it as a music for this podcast for so long. <laughs> but I don't know if um, the companies that um, uh, own it would sue us or or give a shit. Anyway, so again, not another top quality product. Like games like Command and Conquer are going to be coming out this sort of time, which were like miles ahead of this sort of shit. Yeah, and you had, um, oh, fuck, what was it? Uh, Total Annihilation. 
things like that, 100%. So the way ahead of this sort of shit, yeah. And that was quite sci-fi as well, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. Definitely. Then we get Warhammer uh, 40,000 Chaos Gate. That's the one with, the, yeah, the amazing box art. With the Chaos Marine standing over the top of the Ultramarine that's, like, yeah. falling over. They'd, ne- they'd never do that now, would they? Oh, man. I remember playing this at my friend's house because he, he had a copy of it. And, again, because we loved 40K, we played it. But if I'd have picked this up as, and I didn't know anything about the universe, I would have gone, what a load of shit. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't great. What, um, what kind of game is it? Is it like it was a, basically a squad builder? So you'd have maybe five or six marines, and it was like it's a bit like XCOM. You played XCOM, yeah, or where the concept you have yeah, like yeah. action points, and you can like move and then take cover, and that's your action, and you go on like Overwatch, and it's a turn-based thing, yeah. So it's like XCOM, but for forty k. And when your guys die, they're actually dead. That kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And um, you pick up things as you go, and you can customize your your space marines. Like you have different bowlers and stuff like that. And I mean, it graphically. I mean, you go and you type these into like Google and get a load of the graphics. And I know it's ninety eight, ninety seven, but I mean, we're getting close to the two thousands here when stuff started getting um, really good. So again, not another top quality product. And I probably only enjoyed it as a kid because it was forty k and probably like one of the only games apart from Final Liberation that we could play. Oh my god, yeah. I've, oh, yeah look, <laughs> they, they ain't great, are they? Yeah, it's top quality stuff. Um, and then um, following the the parade of shit, we've got. Um, <laughs> Warhammer 40,000 Rights of War. I've never heard of that game. Right. This is a game where you play as the Eldar and we move on from the square-based movement of Final Liberation to Hexes and you literally... one Like, you've got this map, okay? So it's like a a hexed map and you have units that that compose your army, right? But they're, like, bigger than the scenery and they represent multiple units of these. So you'd have a picture... You'd have, like... uh, uh, the Eldar Guardians would be would take up a hex, but they'd be like really big. And they'd represent like you know a whole group of guardians. Yeah. And they they get to move a certain number of hexes, and they get an action point to shoot, and it'd be like an action of them like turning to shoot and some bad sound effects. And the other guys would like go would like move back. And go, Ooh, like great. I mean, I think there's a 40k came out 40k game that came out very recently that is basically an updated version of this. But those sorts of RTSs I don't like because it's totally it takes you out of the immersion because it's like representing say oh this our scale grav tank represents a number of grav tanks yeah. and the animations were poor and oh just really bad. I'm thinking about it as well like this when you say hexes it's, it the actual view of the game is like isometric like uh, Diablo isn't it like the old Diablo. When did Diablo, the first Diablo game come out? Because that didn't... I mean, that was, like, decent graphics for the time. I just looked at this Rites of War, and it looks pretty horrendous. Yeah, um, the thing is, the graphics aren't necessarily a main thing, because I will happily play Dawn of War, the original one, now, which where the graphics are dated, but I still enjoy it because the gameplay's good. But these these games lacked the gameplay as well. They yeah. just lacked something unique. Then, the real steaming turd on the pile of games, right? Warhammer 40,000... Fire Warrior. Oh, yes. yes. Fire Warrior. I do remember that coming out on, was that, PlayStation 2? PlayStation 2. Yeah. Oh, or how not to introduce a new army, because it wasn't that, like, here's the towel. Ugh. And it was the most lacklustre, naff first-person shooter I probably ever played. But again, played it through because I loved 40K. But if it was any other context, 
I would have not enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember getting the demo, uh, like on a demo disc with the ah. the PlayStation mag, and I remember playing it, like, and I was, I didn't know who the Tau were. I just sort of roughly knew the 40k universe just from being a kid. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the Space Marines were the bad guys. I was like, what's going on? I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's a role reversal, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird, but but not a good one. No. I, I watched someone play it recently on YouTube, and fuck me. Yeah, it's not good, is like, it? Like, you know, we've played Deathwing recently, the, the recent yeah. 40k. You know you don't like the sound effect of the door breaking. Yeah, I really like, hate it. Imagine that sound effect quality, but on everything. Yeah. <laughs> um... But again, like, you were so starved of content at that time. Like, having, just existing in the 40k universe in any way was great. Yeah. All right? So that's kind of some context of the sort of games we were expecting. And that was 2003, all right? 2004, and pretty late 2003, you get a hint in, like, PC Gamer magazine that you're going to get Dawn of War. It's a brand new RTS. You see a couple of pictures and I remember them being small pictures in the magazine. I remember looking really closely and going, oh, my God, this looks amazing. They're doing a proper, proper 40K game. So, flashback, 2004. I'm at Games Day. Fucking hell. Like, when they had Games Day still. And there was a stand where they were giving away the demo, like, in a little, like, cardboard sleeve. And I remember going, oh, my God, it's the demo for Dawn of War. I heard about this. And I, I've always been a, an RTS fan. Like, growing up, I had a PlayStation, but my dad always had a PC. Yeah. So I always played PC games. So I loved the Total War games. I still do. And, like, RTS's Quantum Conquer and all that sort of thing. So, and I think 40K suits an RTS probably most, because that's kind of the perspective you view it from most of the time. You're playing, you're quite literally playing a real-time strategy game, aren't you, when you play a real game of 40K? (laughs) Um, And I remember getting power nerded, even at that young age. What the fuck is power nerded? It's a new term I've got for just some mega nerd ruining someone else's fun. And I remember saying to my mate, I think my mate, I was with a, a friend of mine, and I remember, oh, it's, it's Dawn of War. And he, I remember him saying, my mate saying, oh, is it the full game? And then uh, him, this bloke leaning over, who we had no idea. Remember, it's 2004, so I'm what, 14, 15? Yeah. He leans over and goes, uh, it's not the real game, it's a demo. <laughs> And then he walked off. I'm like, who the f-? and at the time thinking like, uh, okay, but like, what the f-? if you're that guy, fuck you, <laughs> yeah. right? Stop like schooling some little kids, like 14, 15 year old kids who are excited they've got a demo for a game. Yeah, fuck off. Anyway, <laughs> well, I imagine the full game wasn't fucking out yet retail anyway. I, I'm not a fucking idiot. Of course, it's a demo. Just because my mate would happen to sort of casually say, "Oh, is it the full game?" Because it was Games Day, and they used to give away a lot of shit then, and they were probably advertising the game. So it's not beyond the realms of imagination. It might be more, but it was just a demo. <sighs> anyway, and like Fuck you knew guy. this was a big deal because in Games Workshop they had a TV in the top right hand corner above where the till is. Oh, fucking right? did they? They had a TV and they were they had obviously a video they were sent from head office and they played images and like uh, not images but like videos of the gameplay. I remember just like to promote it. I remember just standing there like watching this video of like this game playing but like this looks amazing. This is the 40k game I've always wanted. Yeah. So I get it home, I install it and it is everything I want and more. <laughs> like fucking bone storm it's, like that it's kid. like bone storm it's a real house <laughs> um so yeah it's got they get the seat they get the the vibe right they've got the music you click on the marines and they say cool shit like i am loving it 
and then I am officially obsessed. So 2004, The Real One comes out, um, and I've just written my first note on this is that intro. Yes. Hot diggity damn. What an <laughs> intro. Even now, it's isn't still, it fucking great? It's still getting it. I remember when we watched it, we was it like on my birthday or something? Because, I mean, what else are we going to do on a birthday? We, we watched the fucking Door to War intro, and we were both like, this is so good, and this is so much better than the Ultramarines movie. Yeah, and this came out in 2004. <laughs> and it's just the intro to the game, yeah. yeah. And, like, you know, it's the first time, remember, like, ever seeing any, like digitally rendered anything 40k but really well and you did this intro where it's got the orcs shooting they look like orcs and the marines and then like all that dreadnought comes out and like like chain cannons all of them and you're like and they charge and they like fight and it's not just like they have a little punch up they puff they fucking brutalize each other don't they in that cut yeah and and it's got one of the things that really fucking hit the nail on the head for me (laughs) was there's the fucking the classic marine without his helmet on, yeah, gets shot in the neck, fucking dies, and I was just like, mate, sure, on your fucking helmet, yeah. You always see him without the armor on when they're going into battle, and nothing ever happens. And that intro is so, um, it's well, for, I mean, it's for the time, it's very fast, isn't it? Yeah. Like everything's moving really quickly, and it's just like carnage. My favorite bit is when no, uh, no the dread, the dreadnought is my favorite thing about that video. Yeah, and when he's fighting, is when he like cracks the orcs back and like all that shit. But it's when the sergeant's fighting, and he's like. He's moving like a marine. Imagine he like turns around, like shoots the orc in the head, and then the orc like bashes out one of the another orc bashes out his bolt pistol. So he gets his chainsaw, rams it into his midriff, and like <laughs> yeah. and like I was, I was a kid going, "Oh my fucking god, this is amazing!" Um, but it, the, honestly, the game could have been that, and I would have been happy. So I'm already starting on a quite high. Yeah, right? I'm, and, I'm well into this, and it's it it's so fucking dramatic because it's not even a big victory, is it? It's just the fact that the banner gets raised. They get one flag on the hill. That's it. And then the flag that they get up just starts getting fucking bullet ridden anyway. Yeah. But you're like, yes, Space Marines. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they all died. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, give you some context to the game. It's uh, a real time strategy. So, and it's in like the traditional sense. So it's you build your base. You gather your resources, you build your army, and you fight. Yeah. Um, the original game had four factions. You get the Marines, which are the Blood Ravens. Um, and you got Eldar, Orcs, and Chaos Space Marines. Boo. <laughs> they were your original uh, four factions you got to play as. And, I mean, again, a part of the immersion thing, the uh, voice acting is great. Like, hearing the, the units that... Remember, at this time, like you had never heard what a space marine sounded like. You didn't know the sorts of things they necessarily would say. You didn't know what an orc would sound like. And this finally gave you, like, it was like, as far as I was concerned, official. This is what they sound like. Yeah. This is what a bolt gun sounds like. Um, Because prior to that, I mean, I'm thinking back to the old, um, I don't know if they would have been MS-DOS or, like, fucking Windows 95 games. But one of the... Uh, really early Warhammer games that you mentioned. It's got mm. that screen with the Marine in the white armor. Yep, yep. You know, it's like, like a Space Crusade. Yeah, it's like eight or sixteen bit, and he shouts, but it's so fucking crushed in compression. It's just like Argh! it's just all distortion. It sounds so fucking bad. Whereas in this, it's like actual. Le- oh, not legible. That's fucking reading. Uh, Audible. Yeah, man, you can you can understand what they're fucking saying. And I was well surprised with the quality of it because considering this is early 2000s and it's a pc game so it's not like like yeah it's gonna be better than uh, a console game but they don't have the need to have like pro quality audio for the voices they're fucking perfect as far as i'm concerned yeah and um i also loved 
as as a kid and still now actually. And it's something they moved away from in Dawn of War Two, which I didn't like as much. But the kill moves, it's not because obviously like in a lot of real time strategies like Age of Empires, the units would like go against each other, like do a pre scripted like hit, and then they would die. Yeah. But in this game, they've got kill moves. So when uh you know a marine in the game will kill like an orc there'll be a finishing move where you like you'll stab it and there'll be like an animation like a kill animation and those those were awesome and there were some really good ones when your like leader would kill like something major he'd like climb up on it and like stick his chainsaw in his head and like cool, cool finishing moves so it was all part of that massive immersion so i mean even like as i said from the intro i was sold and it just didn't disappoint and I remember being like, I'd come back from school and I'd just play it. As <laughs> yeah. just, and, and again, and then again, and again. And I just, I loved it. I was absolutely, you know. And I'll go on to why I think um, I loved it so much. Not only because it was the first decent game, um, but there's other things I think that kind of, that they did really well. So um, it's basically the first one set on a planet called Tartarus. And it revolves around a third company, Blood Ravens, led by Gabriel Angelos. And there's the librarian Isidore, he's like second in command, and it follows a narrative through the uh are you about to say something? Yeah, sorry. No one can tell I'm trying to interrupt. That librarian, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not quite sold on him. He looks a bit weird to me. I don't know why. What Isidore? There's just there's something about his his character model that just seems a bit strange. But Yeah, it, well the character models aren't like because in the cutscenes you see them up close and they don't really hold up as well. Yeah, but Angelos, Angelos, whatever you want to say. Like to me, he he looks okay, mm. but I don't know. There's something about the librarian. But anyway, they I'm... are kind of stylized. They're not. They're not like the, no, model, they... the models in Dawn of War One aren't like hyper realistic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Isidore has um, it's obviously a real time strategy, and you click on them, they say something, and you order them about on the map, and they say things as they go. And his uh, f- one of my favorite quotes of all time is from him: "Hope is the first step." on the road to disappointment. <laughs> and that's been my mantra. Uh, that's my life. Anyway. Um, Cheery bloke. So, and the, basically the story goes on. The planet is under attack by the orcs. That's where they first arrived to help the Imperial Guard. Um, but it's all not quite what it seems. And I wonder which factions are involved in the it's not as it seems, maybe Eldar or Chaos. It's always fucking Chaos in the end, isn't it, really? But, um, yeah, a, a great game. And unfortunately for me... Um, they did make a bunch of sequels and things like that, yeah. which I'll go into in a sec. But I think this game had is really important because it had. I think it had a huge impact on um, the people interested in who got who got into 40k from Dawn of War. Because right at the back of the box, cause this was the game in the days where you got like a proper box for it. Yeah, and in the back, oh. and, and a manual with actually loads of shit in it, like units and stuff, as opposed to nothing you get now because it's all online. But on the back. Um, there was a little pamphlet that said, like, basically, you enjoyed the game, now in- enjoy the world. It's basically like an advert for Games Workshop. Yeah. It had a little slogan that I can't remember. Um, but it had a picture of, like, the models in the game. So pop into your local Games Workshop store for your free demo game and basically advertising the game. And I think a lot of people got into 40K from playing Dawn of War, opening it up and going, oh, it's actually a miniatures game as well, and then getting into it that way. So I think... It's had a positive because it was a great game. It had a positive effect on Games Workshop's popularity and sort of introduction into like popular culture. I think one of the other big strengths that I found when I started playing it was you're not just fucking 
blasted with information, it it like gradually does it. And I think, especially if you're new to the universe, there's a hell of a lot to learn. Mm. Um, so I could definitely see that being a really good gateway. And then when they say, "Oh, if you like this, <laughs> you, you if you thought this was expensive, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> try this." Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've kind of got, gone into why I loved it so much and why it made a huge impact on me. And like, and fundamentally, the gameplay is good. And it's really interesting that you're playing it as a complete newbie um, because you're, again, you've got that, uh, you know, that really um, valuable insight into a new person trying it. And I don't think it would have the same impact on you now as it would do if, like, you were my age when I first got into yeah, it. Yeah, Because it was so, like, wow, and nothing had been out, you know, like was, it. I like it before. The only thing that I thought was a bit funny at the beginning was the uh, on the main title screen there's like a space marine standing there and as he breathes it looks like he's breathing with his knees because they move in and out more than anything else on his body but I thought oh well I'll get into that because it's it's kind of that 40k time where 40k was still had that kind of zaniness to it you know it was still a bit crazy and like and that that was good. I I enjoy it for mm. that. And that's part of the style of the look of Dawn of War. Because as I said, the models in it are stylized. They're not like exact replicas of the miniatures, or they're not trying to be ultra realistic. Yeah, they're of their own style. And like, and yeah, and and you're right. And it's got some of that kind of a bit wacky, but not like in a shit way. It's still got it's still got that fun element. Yeah, I think it's because they contrast it well, don't they? Because, like you said, it, it, it's a bit like the models are a bit chunky and stuff, and it's a it's a bit yeah. wha- wacky. I guess that's the only word that I can mm. use to describe it. But then you've got someone grabbing a chainsaw and going to town. There's still yeah. quite a lot of blood and stuff. So there is a lot of blood. Yeah. Have you got to using a dreadnought yet? No. Um, they're they're a lot of fun because <laughs> they got really good kill moves because they will literally pick up like the orcs. And like crush them, and all this blood effect comes out, and then they spin around and throw them, and you literally see the orc go whew, across the map. They just launch them, and they've got they they do the really obviously they affect the vocal of the performance, but they um, make it sound like he's in this huge sarcophagus, and he's got this huge like yeah huge body. He's like I have come to destroy you in like a robot voice. And how just, how far into the game is it? Um, I think probably about third or fourth mission. Oh yeah, I think okay. you get dreads. They're one of the first vehicles you get. Like, yeah. You get. You start getting the scouts and the marines, and then you get um, dreadnoughts and assault marines in the same mission. I yeah, because I've just done the one with the scouts where it's like you can't be spotted by the orcs at the beginning. Yep. There's like the stealthy guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've gone through like the intro to sort of some context of about Dawn of War, about what, what came before it, and where I was in my life at the time when it came out, and why it was so such a big deal for me. And a bit about the first Dawn of War, which is kind of the granddaddy of them all, really. And I think where you probably should start if you're getting into it. But fortunately, the game did really well. So they released quite a few sequels. So very soon after, um, you get Dawn of War Winter Assault. Is this an add-on or an actual sequel? This, sorry, it's not, as probably misleading. The next game, so it's an add-on. Okay, but I mean, it's got its own campaign to it, though. It's a 100% new campaign. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I guess it's a sequel. Like it's used to the same end. You could play it in isolation. It was, you know, back in the day, you used to have, you used to have, be able to have Dawn of War or, or a game, and then the add-on, you'd have to have the original game. Yeah. You could buy. I think you could buy Winter Assault on its own. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like it's a standalone it, game, but it's Dawn of War, but the next one. It is basically a sequel, but it's just not got number two next to it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's got Winter Assault, where you get the Imperial Guard, and it just amped up to the next level because you could play the Imperial Guard, and they were exactly. 
how you'd imagine them. Bullet sponges. Yeah, loads of guardsmen in a squad. They die really quickly. You have to respawn the members and big old tanks. And it's the first time really sort of seeing a Bane blade in action because it's in a game, so it's easy to sort of render in that. And uh, their General Stern, the, yes. uh, the really cool Imperial Guard commander. You know, take no shit. Um, that was a great, um, great game. And right at the end, you fight over a Warlord Titan's body. Which is really Man. cool. And, like, spoiler alert, he's Necron Sharp at the end. Oh, shit. And that's awesome. They'll be back. Yeah. 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 So, again, it didn't introduce anything new gameplay-wise. It was just more of the same, but better. Yeah, and, and I suppose if, if you're getting, like, uh, new people into the hobby, you're then... Here's another army and another army. And I think one of the, one of the really cool things with Dawn of War from the very limited time I've played it is you're seeing things that, I mean, especially if you're a kid, you couldn't afford to buy, but you're mm. actually seeing it there and in action. Like, 100%. There's like a little bit in the in the very first level, it's like, oh, build plasma conduits and stuff. And I think when I look at those conduit reactors or whatever they are, they're well expensive for the model. I'd never, I'd never get that because it's so expensive. But then you're seeing it there and in action. So for, for like for a younger person to, you know, they're probably never going to have the money for a Bane Blade but they're fucking getting to use one and seeing what it does. Exactly. Like, like as a kid, I always wanted a Land Raider. Yeah. And I think I still want one now as an adult because I could, I could buy one and have one. So it's like a nostalgia thing that I could never afford one. But in Dawn of War, you can build one and drive it around for the Terminators and they would shoot his LAS cannons. And, and that was, yeah, that's another thing I liked about Dawn of War is all the guns on the tanks would shoot independently. They'd like move about. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So yeah, I 100% agree. So as a kid, there'd be lots of things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to play with in the game on the tabletop. Yeah. But you could play in the game because it was, you didn't pay for it, obviously. Um, so you get Winter Assault, um, which was introduced to Guard. And then you get Dark Crusade, which introduces the Necrons and the Tau. Boo. Boo. And, um, but this one had a really interesting slant. It kind of rewound the story a bit. Yeah. In the timeline. And it was a, a campaign um, in the kind of traditional sense where you'd have a map of the world. You'd have like one section where you occupied and you'd okay. have to move to the next section. Yep. And you'd, then you'd go into the game and play an, a real-time strategy where you'd be fighting over this, this area and you'd capture it. And then you'd take it and then it'd be your turn. And then the other factions would have a turn where they might attack you and you have to defend. So quite like, it's almost like risky, like, like, like the game Risk Yeah, in that sense. So it introduced all those things like you had like you had built an empire or conquered this planet and you had the dawn of war game as well i remember and it gave it let you play as all the other factions because up to this point you played as space marines in the first one or you played imperial guard yeah uh, i mean within the campaign you did swap between eldar as well where you played on half and half imperial half eldar but that's by the by but you couldn't choose any other factions but in dark crusade you could choose chaos space marines necrons whatever yeah so that was really great. And it gave it such replayability yeah. beyond beyond just saying, right, I'll play it on easy, I'll play it on medium, I'll play it on hard. You're like, I can play as the Marines and then I'm going to play as Chaos Marines. And then I'm going to play, in, I mean, hours, yeah. hours and days gone. And, and and you needed to have that replayability back then because, I mean... DLC wasn't a thing. No, and you... Well, I mean, you did have online play, didn't you? But, I mean, it was a bit touch and go. And you, you couldn't get away with, like, now when... Oh, I can't remember what the last Call of Duty was that had a campaign. But there's quite a few, like, AAA games that they'll release and it'll be, like, a five-hour campaign. And if, Oh, Dawn of War. Oh, Dawn of War. Uh, Call of Duty World at War, the World War Two one. Mate, yeah, if... 
that single player was amazing, but it was so short. Yeah. If well, and I think Battlefield One, the single player was super short as well. Like if if I was a kid and I'd spent like well, say it'd be like whatever you got for Christmas, and it was that one thing, and you finished it in the day, you'd be like. Oh. Yeah, these are the, these are back. This is back in the day when the games had fucking content, yeah. and you could lose yourself in it. And, and Dark Crusade is a prime example of just so much content. I don't think I even played as all the factions as a kid, like because you have to do too much to do. Is this is this the kind of thing where you'd and we wouldn't be buying this off fucking Amazon? You'd go into town, go to like electronics boutique or hundred percent. Come back on the bus, reading the fucking manual. Yeah, because the manuals <laughs> would have all the units in. You could read about all the. Even though I knew what a space marine squad is, I want to read it in the door to war manual. What a space marine squad? Yeah, does. you want to see the all pictures. the buildings. Yep. And then you like, but then you remember this is the first time you've seen what a space marine building looks like. Yeah. Or like, what does a tower building look like? Who built? And and obviously in these games, you've got little builders. So the the you know the imperial factions have certain builders and like who builds things in you know the Eldar faction yeah and like it had I, I all that in it I hadn't considered that to be honest yeah because for for anyone who hasn't played it like you you don't just click on a set menu of buildings to generate you've got to select like the space marines will have like a servitor and you've got to click them and then they go and build something and again it's that it's exactly like come on and conquer you have power so you can only have certain buildings soak up the power. And you've got to hey, build power to kind of have access to this higher stuff. So yeah. it's that resource management and you have to capture points and they give you command points or whatever they call it, or resource points. And that allows you to buy units. Yeah, you've so got, you, got to put that flag up. You've got to capture that point, which is it's a great mechanic because it's like obviously in Command and Conquer and games like that, you mined or like in Age of Empires, you farmed and gathered food and stuff and chopped down wood, which is great for those contexts. But you couldn't imagine a servitor going out in the woods and cutting down no. and like fishing. But the, the other thing I really liked is when you send, like, there'll be, like, a, a point on the map that you need to go and capture. You need to send your space marines out to go and capture this point. What do they do when they get there? Because that's what I fucking love. They pray at the sh- at the thing. Oh, fucking hell, it's so good. Oh, they, lean, they lean down, don't they? Yeah. They go down on, the, on like, one knee, and they, it just looks, like, so heroic. And especially because you can have, like, orcs or someone in the background shooting at them, but they're still just like, <laughs> no, we're capturing this point. Yeah, I love it. And... And the Imperial Guard one, they stand to attention. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. One of them puts the flag in, they just stand to attention. It is. That's fucking great. It's a great game. I hope my excitement's coming through about how much I fucking like this <laughs> Yeah, I think it is. Um, then we kind of like sidetrack a bit with Soulstorm. And I've written Soulstorm question mark. 2008 uh, introduce, introduces Dark Eldar and Sisters of Battle. Yeah, I think we touched on this a little bit I on one episode, didn't don't we? don't play this. I don't know why. I don't think you missed out. <laughs> um, and even now, I've got it on my PC, on my laptop at home, um, and I still haven't played it. I mean, there's something about it that seems to be a bit of an aversion. And I think it's because it's like Dark Crusade in that it's a map. You've got to fight through the different territories on yeah. the map. So you, it just didn't grab me, really, because I thought it's more of the same. Whereas like Winter Assault was great because it had new factions. Dark Crusade was great because it had a different way of playing and new factions, but Soulstorm had just new factions, and I, I think by that point they were pushing the engine, the game engine to its sort of its its limit really. Yeah, um, sounds like pushing your fucking. I must, I, maybe I just limit. wasn't like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't into it at that time. Maybe I just kind of like left on a war. I'd like done it to death because very when you got games coming out pretty soon after each other, I sort of blitzed it. And maybe I was playing something else. Maybe I was like, oh, another Dawn of War game. Like I, I can't. You know, obviously, I 
limited budget, so I didn't want to buy it. Or I don't know. I, I have no idea that that period, two thousand and eight, seems to be a real blank. On a I don't si- know why. On a side note, so Dawn of War one, the like original uh-huh. copy, full price retail, whatever. What are the expansion standalones? Were they a little bit cheaper? Do you remember? Or were they I just... remember them being cheaper. They're about half the price. Oh, okay. Whereas a real game would probably be about thirty. Yeah. Um, whereas Winter Assault would have been fifteen. Uh, Dark Crusade might have been more because it was a bigger game. Whereas Winter Assault was just another campaign with a new faction. Yeah. Whereas Dark Crusade introduced all these other factions and a new campaign, so it might have been a bit more expensive. But yeah, you're right. Like I think Soulstorm would have been cheaper as well. Like half the price, effectively, because it's not an add-on, but sort of sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, they were a bit cheaper. Um, But then we only have to wait a year for Dawn of War 2. Shit, they got that out pretty quick, didn't they? Yeah, and I didn't realise, only when doing research for this main section, did I realise how quick they're smashing these out. And, I mean, I've gone on about how great Dawn of War 1 is, and for me, that always will be the granddaddy and the, the real good one um, for to start off with, but... For me, Dawn of War 2 is my favourite one. Please, Mark, tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it does diverge slightly from the format of Dawn of War 1. It wasn't just like, here's some up-to-date graphics and a new, you know, new engine. Um, it was and the same old shit. It was more of a, like, they're better visuals, because obviously, you know, you've got, what, five, what, 2000 and what did I say, 2005... No, 2004, Dawn of War 1 came out, and then you got 2009, Dawn of War 2's coming out. And then in terms of PC game development, that's quite a long time. Yeah. Every year things well, are getting better. Especially because, I mean, when it comes out, it might have been in development for a year, and you think the difference between the beginning of the 2000s and the end of them is pretty fucking drastic, isn't it? Definitely, yeah, you're right. Um, so it kind of has, um, obviously, better visuals, but it's kind of... It's still a real-time strategy in that you point and click and move units about, and you could still build new units, but it was more of like, do you know what I mean by a Diablo style, where you have a a small number of guys and you kind of work through the mission and you kind of get experience points and your characters. It was a a bit more of an RPG element. So this is Dawn of War mixed with RPG. So it's like Dawn of War Kill Team Edition. (laughs) No, I, I know what you mean. I suppose sort of. But like you had instead of having like your your base and you built up like five squads of marines and some tanks and you, yeah. you point and clicked them to the other side of the um the map to blow up their base, it was more of like the missions were more walkthroughs. You'd have like your captain, and you'd have a small squad of marines, a small squad of devastators, and a small squad of like assault marines, for example. And each one had like special skills that you could set up, like um, so the, your tactical marines had like grenades. So you'd have to you click on the squad, click grenade, and you click on the map. And they could throw a grenade, for example. Yeah, it's a really basic version. But then the devastators would have like suppressive fire. So you'd click that, and their special ability would act, and they would like shoot everything and everything get pinned down and not be able to move. And the assault marines could assault jump into combat. So there was a bit more micromanaging basically in all the different units. Whereas in Dawn of War One, you just pointed at your assault marine squad. You right clicked on the enemy. They went and attacked and killed them. Yeah, but it's a little bit more nuanced because you had and the armies were smaller. Like that was all you had for the whole mission. Yeah, so they could have that nuance because you're not exactly well. And, and then, also, I guess there's less on the screen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. true. Um, you still fight lots of enemies. You still you still hack your way through loads of orcs, loads of like Eldar stuff. Oh yeah, sorry. No, I, I didn't mean in terms of like frame rate. I just meant like if you're 
bringing in more micromanagement, but you you you've got 100%. the less squads, haven't you? So it's like it's not you're not just frying people's brains with like inventory screens and things. Yeah, you, you, yeah. It's hard to when you know when the, in the game when you're like all the actions are all kicking off. Yeah, it is. You sometimes forget the micromanagement. You just point and click. Um, so as your guys go through the campaign, they level up. And you have a cool um, screen where you get to like micromanage all of your squads, so you can um, upgrade them, and you know they go up a, a skill tree, and they get to do certain unlock certain abilities, or they get stat increases. You find weapons, and you literally click on the weapon, drag it onto the unit, and then you see the unit has that weapon now. Sweet. So you customize the weapons, um, like the devastators. Like you pick up maybe uh, a special plasma cannon, and they and the, the leader would have a plasma cannon. Awesome. What, um, what um, chapter is it for Don or Two? Still Blood Ravens. Yeah, still all right. Cool. Throughout all this, it's all Blood Ravens. Uh, I mean, actually, Dawn, Winter Assault diverges on this that it's got Ultramarines in it, but otherwise, yeah, but they're not playable. But you play as the Blood Ravens, um, and it follows like. Um, a set path on the missions you do get some points where um you have like four missions to choose from yeah and you do them in whatever order you like but it's still all part of the same you still end up playing all the missions yeah um and and sometimes you start on you will be just on the planet but then you can move planets you get back on your ship and there's a little animation of you going into the warp and coming out the other side and you are the next planet and you can go different missions on there and it plays through a campaign where basically the tyranids show up which is the first time they show up in, in Dawn of Wars game. Yeah. And uh yeah, and it's really it, it really impresses on you how they're like the, this tyranny invasion is gonna kill us all if we don't do something about it. Like and as you on the star map where you're kind of choosing your missions, as the tyranids get more and more of a presence, you see like the tendrils of the high fleet starting to take <laughs> like over the screen. Yeah. Because you're like they're literally like it's not like a ship. You're talking about this organism is taking over this sector of planets. And it really does a good job of showing that it's kind of, you've really got to find a way to defeat them. Yeah. Um, and it's not traditional, like, firepower's not going to do it. No, they're pretty ravenous, aren't they? <laughs> Mate, they do love to ravage stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it diverged a little bit. Like, you didn't really have a base, for example. Yeah. You, you would capture, like, these comms array points, and you could, like... Re, re, um, that your squads like had like four dudes in, and if you'd, lo- you'd lost a guy, you could replace him, but you wouldn't get any more squads as such. But the the RPG element, I really think added to it. They took away the RTS base building, but they gave a lot with the the role playing element. In yeah. fact, you could customize which skills your guys had. You could decide which weapons they had, um, and it still played into the fluff. Like you, like the assault marines would have to. Um, fill up their uh, their fight stat so they got the uh, Terminator honours and then they could wear the Terminator armour you found. Right. So they still had some of that element in it. So it was really immersive. The, the, the universe was captured really well. It was still grim dark um, and, you know, the, the voice acting was still great and the cutscenes had more sort of voice acting as the characters were talking between the missions to sort of develop the story. Yeah. Um, the Dreadnoughts were still fucking cool. Um, there's a great moment where uh, Captain Thule, T H U L E. Is he in the first one? N- um, in is it Aaron? In, is it like it's not Davidian? It's like Dave D- Davian Thule or something. Davian Thule. There you go. Yeah, Thule. I've, anyway, I've read something about him recently because he's in um, Dark Crusade. Because it retracts the the times the line a little bit, and he's a captain in Dark Crusade. 
But in the beginning of Dawn of War, he's like this revered captain. Right? Yeah. And he gets killed by the... Well, killed, but taken out of action by the Tyranids quite early on. Spoiler alert. And then you don't see anything of him. You know he gets taken back to the Apothecarium. But this really cool moment, you're fighting a Hive Tyrant. And this drop pod like crashes down into the fight. And Davian Thule comes out as a Dreadnought. Oh, he's fuck. like, I have returned. And he like smashes the shit out of this tyrant. Holy shit, man. It, I, I wasn't ready for that. I swear, if I was younger playing that for the first time in, in that, when it, when it yeah. came out, I'd had goosebumps. Yeah, that's, mate. That sounds amazing. Because you comes, just And they're like, like, Captain, and he's come back and he's a dreadnought. Yeah. And like, you're like, this is 40k as fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, um, man. Even in death, he still serves. <laughs> yeah, man, it is. I mean, I mean, I couldn't gush more about this game. No, you're thinking about the Dreadnought playing tennis now, aren't you? No, you said even in debt still serve. I like the one even in debt I still serve. He's got a credit card. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen that one. All oh, right. But if you thought that Dawn of War was good, then they brought out Dawn of War Chaos Rising. See, this is a title that I know, but I have not seen screenshots that I can recall. It's kind of like Dawn of War 2, but in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> basically, it's all snowy for some reason. I can't remember why. Um, but basically, Chaos have turned up, and they're nasty motherfuckers. Which ones? Like, uh, they're oh. undivided. They're uh, Black Legion. Oh, okay. Undivided. Um, what I love about this, and I think I was talking to you about this, that they, you have, um, they bring corruption and heresy into it. Obviously, oh, they're Chaos. Yes. Because as you go through the map, that. the map, as you go through the story, there's two ways you can become corrupted. You can find these really powerful items yeah. that would make the game really easy because they're really powerful, but you become corrupted. You get a corruption scale. Man, that's so and there are also there are also events that happen. Well, the one that springs to mind is a mission where you've got to go through and um save the uh, 10th company, the scouts. They're trying to fight off chaos and you're you've got landed and you've got to try and save them as quick as possible. If you don't save them quick enough and leave them to their fate, your corruption goes up because you, you're, you know, not caring and you're just like letting them get let killed. There's no real benefit for helping them other than you don't come corrupted. But, um, and I didn't realise as a kid how important this corruption thing was until because I'd done a bit. I was a bit corrupted. Like I'd let, let a few things slip, <laughs> let a few innocents die. I'd picked up the odd chaos war gear item, burned a few villages, and then it gets to the end. Oh, you've completed it. And there's this cutscene where you land back on the ship and Gabriel Angelos basically says, you're a fucking heretic, you're going to execute it, and you, you die. <laughs> you lose. Well, you, you win the game, but your character gets taken away because you're, like, corrupted as fuck. Yeah, you don't I fuck thought, about... oh, shit. <laughs> so I had to replay it again yeah. in Spinny Two Shoes just to redeem myself. What was the good ending? Uh, you just don't get killed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's basically Dawn of War 3, but better um, with corruption you and mean it introduced Dawn of War Two, but better. Dawn, sorry, Dawn of War Three. We'll get onto that. Yeah, uh, Dawn of War Two, but better. And then the final one in that series for um, Dawn of War Two is um, Retribution, where they kind of bring in lots of the other factions. Because at the moment, Dawn of War Two and Dawn of War Two Chaos Rising, the only campaign you can play is as the Marines. Oh, okay. But now it brings in a campaign where you can play through the campaign as any of the factions. Why didn't they do that in Chaos Rising? Don't know. Because when you said Chaos Rising, the first thing I thought was, oh, is it like 
it's a campaign from Chaos perspective. Right. That would have been great, but no, it's you play through as the Blood Ravens again, but you happen to be fighting Chaos Marines instead of Orcs and Eldar. Oh, okay. And Tyranids. Um, so in Dawn of War 2 Retribution, you again you've got Marines, obviously. You get the introduction of you get to play as the Chaos Marines, you get to play as Orcs, you get to play as Eldar. It introduces Imperial Guard. Yep. And it introduces Tyranids as a playable faction. Oh, it's playable. Yeah, yeah that's play cool. the campaign as the as the Nids. Um, what, what kind of banter do they have between each other? Then, or do do you get like cultists? I think what you mean with um, the, the Tyranids? Yeah, they as you point and click around the map, they just make noises. Oh, okay. But I think if I remember rightly, it's been a while since I played as the Tyranids in Dawn of War Retribution. Um, but I think in the cutscenes, you're it's like you're being you have the message telepathically. Oh, okay. So it's, it, it's, yeah. I think it's a female voice as well, and you, I think you're getting spoken to by the the high fleet basically, and it's a like, it's a, te- a, a telepathic thing. Well, it's fluff friendly, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't get tunes going blah, 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 at each other because that'd be a really shit cutscene. You wouldn't know what the fuck was going on because <laughs> um, they wouldn't communicate with that. They wouldn't talk. No, it'll be just that synapse communication. Yeah, um, it does that really well. My notes on Dawn of War Three, however, are very very. Very short. I've written Dawn of War 3, 2017, bad intro. Now, all the Dawn of War games so far have had awesome intros. I knew Dawn of War 3 would potentially be bad because the intro was shit. <laughs> what happens in the intro? I haven't seen it. Well, I'll have to play it to you afterwards, but it looks visually impressive. Yeah. But it's a bit, art, not arty, but it's not straight up. It's kind of like... Is this the one with all the skulls? Yeah. Yeah. And then an Eldar Titan turns up and then it gets blown up and then falls on him. Yeah. And he's like looking up and he starts to smile as he dies. Like nothing... It's fucking weird. And and I thought, (laughs) well, this isn't like the other Dawn of War intros. Uh, I want more of the same, but better. Yeah. How dare they be different? Little did I know, it was a sort of premonition of the fact that the Dawn of War 3... Wasn't more of the same. Wasn't more of the same. And what they tried to do from what I gather, because I've watched quite a few YouTube videos of people reviewing it, of Dawn of War fans reviewing it, and I can't really put a finger on it, but they tried to do everything that the other Dawn of Wars had done, but ended up with a game that wasn't Dawn of War. Like, I mean, visually it's quite impressive, but you kind of got a mixture of that huge Dawn of War 1 vibe where you've got big, big armies. Yeah. But it's also got that micromanage that like your heroes will like be able to do these like things like crack the ground underneath them with their thunder hammers or jump really, really high, like and wipe out whole units at a time. And I don't know, and the fact that you churn through your army so quickly, like the Marines didn't seem elite and these I don't know, it just Oh, what do you mean they die too quickly? Yeah, you just churn through stuff really quickly. Oh. The game's a huge meat grinder. And I get the 40k is that, but it, I don't know. I just watching some of the videos and people review it just by watching them, I kind of thought, I think you're right. I kind of, generally, the reviews aren't so great and they haven't made another Dawn of War since. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, well, um, no, no, like expansions or anything no, for it. Just Dawn of War 3, no, full stop. They're done fucked up. Yeah, well, so, I mean, I, I, it seems really hypocritical of me to, to, to pull it apart when I haven't played it, but 
I mean, I think at the time when it came out, I wasn't living at home, so I didn't have Dad's PC to play on. Yeah. So I had a laptop, so it would only run Dawn of War 1 and 2. So I couldn't play it, but I think if I had played it, I might have been disappointed because I kind of go, you know, these people that were reviewing it were Dawn of War fans and they were saying why it wasn't great. And I know it's, they were kind of biased, so it's kind of influenced my bias, but I should really give it a go, considering how much I've gushed about how much I fucking love the other two games. And presumably you can probably pick it up quite cheap. I'd fucking hope so. <laughs> if it's more than a tenner, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. It'd be, I, I, I'd push to 15. If it's yeah. 15 quid, I'd buy it. But whether or not my laptop would run it, I don't know. Yeah, because it's still... 2017, it's not that old. Recent, it? Two years old. It's weird that, like, it's such a meat grinder, though, because I remember, um, like, just going through some bits on Dawn of War 1, and the first time I saw Space Marines really, like, going a toe-to-toe with the Orcs, I thought, oh, shit, like, they're all going to be dead soon. No. <laughs> he just killed all the Orcs. They're fine. I think I lost, like, one guy in the first level, and that was it. And I was really thinking, like... Oh, oh yeah, they're wearing huge fucking armor plates and they're like these elite superhero warriors. Sorry, superhuman, not fucking superheroes. Um, so yeah. I'm guessing Dawn of War 3 was, and from what I remember of the promo post of all the skulls, was like they're going for carnage. But that doesn't. And they really, it looks like they did do that. And they introduced a lot of like the Titan level stuff. Like you'd have, you could have Imperial Knights in the game. Oh, shit. And Eldar Wraith Knights and stuff and Orc Stompers. And they would do these big moves that would wipe out whole armies and stuff and you're like well that looks visually impressive but you know um yeah it didn't grab me so i'm yet to play it so i know i could come back in you know a few months time and say actually i played it everything i heard was wrong it's fucking great but i mean i'm not holding my breath but what you were saying about you know the feel of dawn of war like how they captured it right with the marines fighting the orcs you were just describing i've kind of to sum up i've said why is it so great or to be like the bard, why is it so great? Um, that was a good impression. Yeah. I've just got a simple sentence. They got it right. That's why it's so good. They fucking nailed it on the head. They got the music. They got the, the voices. They got the sound effects. They got the visuals. They got the gameplay. They got the story. It was all great. And it was all exactly as it should be. It was 40k through and through. And those first Dawn of War 1, the expansion, Dawn of War 2, the expansions, they just, for me, someone who has been into 40k for a fucking long time, yeah. they got it right. And those games are really popular because they got it right. And they married it with good gameplay. So I just think, like, and it reminds me of what we were talking about the other day about Inquisitor. Yeah. The, uh, the, the um, uh, Dan Abnett t- TV the moving it to TV, the TV series they're making. Sorry, I'm fucking keep my words out. Eisenhorn. Eisenhorn, that's it. And I just said, I just hope they get it right. Yeah. Because if they get it right, it'll be great because this, the the core um, IP is amazing. Yeah. And, so, and all they've got to do is just capture it. I know it's as easy as that because I can't fucking do it, but there is, it's, it's like multifaceted. Like with the hobby, it's you've got to have the sounds, you've got to have the visuals, you've got to have the story, the music, the sound, everything. Atmosphere. Atmosphere, yeah. it's just got it. And and that's why I hope they're going to make the Inquisitor, the Eisenhorn, great, because they could do it, because Dawn of War and Dawn of War 2 have that. It is possible to yeah, do and, it. Yeah, and I, I guess it shows, like, how much of an impact it makes when they do it right, because there has been so many Warhammer games that are pretty duff, and how yeah, old even is, to this day yeah and how old is Dawn of War 1 and I'm playing it and I'm 
you know, I don't think, oh god, this game's ancient. Like, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, the visuals, the graphics, the things that are, that are, are aged. Yeah, the rest of it is timeless. The same way people listen to music that's hundreds of years old, it's timeless. It's still good. It's got a good legacy, and it's and it stands the test of time. I think, um, and I like to think it would do for someone who isn't into 40k, but for someone who is. It's just that total all-round immersion. So, yeah, that's my gushing about Dawn of War. What rating would you give it? Oh. You've got to think of, like, an amusing uh, rating now, haven't you? I have. You really put me on the spot. What scale are we going to use? We're going to do out of ten now. Yeah. For Dawn of War 1, the original, the OG. <laughs> the OG. I'm going to give it eight exterminatuses out of ten. <laughs> Yeah, that's quite a few exterminators. Yeah, and for Dawn of War 2, I'm going to give it 9 corruption points out of 10. <laughs> that's quite a few corruption points, yeah. man. I could have thought of something funnier, but you have put me on the spot. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, so for me, Dawn of War 2, 9 out of 10. Dawn of War 1, 8 out of 10. 10 out of 10 for nostalgia. Yeah. But, and because it is the granddaddy of them all, so... Um, so, yeah... That's, you know, why you should play Dawn of War. Everything I just said is why you should play it. <laughs> and my excitement for it is why you should play it. And I, I heartily recommend you try and get, like, Game of the Year edition like Jackson has um, and just play through it. If you've got, you know, like an old laptop, it should run it, or even a PC. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. If you're listening to this podcast, you like 40K, um, and probably most of you have played Dawn of War and are probably agreeing with me, I hope. But if you haven't, um, I'd heartily recommend you invest £10 or even 20 quid on getting the, the mega edition where you get all the original Dawn of War games. And yeah. Just play them, man, and I'm sure you'll love it. And and if you've read much about the Blood Ravens, I found it really cool having read up on them myself and then playing the game where they're basically introduced. Mm. And then they're talking about things. I'm like, oh, I know what he's talking about. Like, oh, yeah. you, you're seeing all these bits. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I heard about that. Oh, this is fucking Tartarus. Yeah. Tartar sauce, whatever. What, how did they name that planet? Tartarus. Yeah. I don't know. Doesn't that sound like Tartar sauce? By the fact that it's got very similar letters and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck um, hell. But that's interesting because my knowledge of the Dawn of Blood Ravens <laughs> fluff is that it's from the, playing the games. Yeah. I've not read any further. But it's really cool that you've kind of read about these planets and now you're like on them. Yeah. That's that's why it's And you're meeting the characters you've read about. And they This is Gabriel Angelos. And like, do you know what I mean? There's a bit where the librarian dude says to Gabriel something about Cyrene and Gabriel Angelos says, Don't mention Cyrene. And I was like, Ooh. <laughs> so yeah. there's some I was like, that was, that was a real low shot there. That's a low blow. Um I mean, because I don't actually know what happened on Cyrene. No, you're gonna Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody, still. Well, nobody knows for certain. Yeah, so we're going to wrap up this episode soon. And I think next episode we might do a character study because I've got ideas for a couple of characters for our main sort of focus or our Manius Focius or whatever you called it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm feeling a character study. Yeah. I, like, I did like doing that last time. Um I think really sort of going forward, um, 
we've got a couple of shout outs to do, haven't we, in this episode. Uh, other than that, we're going to chat about really quickly the giveaway we're doing on at the moment on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. So we're giving away a sister superior Amalia Novena miniature. Man, I'm glad I didn't fucking hear that up. Yeah, well done. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really easy to enter. If you're on Instagram, which is, oh, man, we could do the social media tags all in one go. This can be fucking brilliant. Yeah. Right. So, so if you find us on Instagram, which is at Sanction Extremist Podcast, um, and just look for the picture that's got in big fucking letters. It says, like, Sister Amalia giveaway. Um, all you've got to do, like the picture, tag a couple of friends or one Primark, and follow us on Instagram, and we're going to just chuck all the names through a random name generator, and then we will pick a winner. The only stipulation is if you're outside of Europe, we can't post you because we haven't got enough money to do that. It gets ridiculous, and you get the things getting held at customs, and we'll try and work something out for another one in the future that we could do international, I think. Yeah, but yeah. so if, if you do that, and also if you want an, uh, another entry, if you find us on Facebook... And we're just at Sanction Extremist Podcast on Facebook as well. Um, if you find us on there and just like the picture and follow the instructions, it's pretty much the same thing. I think it's just like it, share it, and tag a couple of people. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah. And you get entered into the draw there as well. Yeah. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Trembling Brush on Instagram. Uh, also, Dave Paints, because I've been chatting to him recently, um, and he's a pretty cool dude. Uh, Bobby at Red Eagle Studio, because uh, I still chat with him, which is awesome. Him and uh, Colin from Cold Open Stories, like, we chatted a bit, like, on the last, well, prior to the last podcast recording and a little bit after. And then I thought after that, maybe I'm just going to lose touch with them because they're so busy. But they've still, like, had a couple of um, instant message back and forth with me just chatting about some stuff, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah, and they gave us a shout, didn't they? Yeah, they did, man. They, yeah, they both did, which was like, yeah, thank you. Oh, fuck, we should have said thank you. Yeah, I, did, I did, like, on social media to them and oh, stuff. Oh, no, of course, yeah, yeah, I know. On the podcast, yeah, I mean... Did Red Eagle as well share something about us? Yeah, they did, because on the uh, 40 Hours of 40 hours of 40K um, page, they, they put... Um, the thumbnail for the sanction extremist thing in with and, a couple of others didn't they yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, cold open stories did um, did the same thing so thank you thanks for like giving us a mention because you didn't have to um and so yeah thanks a lot i mean have you got anyone you want to give a shout out to mark no no <laughs> oh well i it mean probably is but i literally can't remember any and i and i all my bits on the notes where i would write stuff like this i wrote so much about dawn of war that I've literally no space for anything else. So, yeah, I just want to say, like, if you've liked the Instagram or liked the Facebook or mentioned or talked or done anything with us, uh, we really appreciate it, even if I can't remember you specifically at this precise moment. Okay, so just before we sign off, I was on a 40K group on Facebook and I saw a thread of bad news stories. And I saw one that there was loads of stuff like, oh, I drilled through my finger with a drill bit, which is, yeah, that's pretty painful. But I saw one where I'm just going to read this out from the the actual comment. Um, And like whoever, whoever this guy was who did the bad thing, fuck off. This is (laughs) just fuck off. Right. So this is what happened. A buddy just got started in 40K, built a tower army, basic stuff, nothing fancy, agrees with a fight against local gaming club leader. So someone who like really knows the rules and everything. Right. The club leader shows up with a tournament spec space marine army, especially tailored to beat Tau, tables them in two turns and only lost three models. The the person with the space marine army. And it's like, mate, like someone's like 
they're getting into the game. So you build like a ridiculously like high costed like perfect army like that you've basically net well what's the, it's not net decking in 40k oh, like but, net listing yeah yeah you've taken like a tournament thing and just absolutely crashed someone and i just thought man just, what that's what just, a total knobber i know i thought like seriously like if that just says to me you have nothing else in your life like that's you're, your you're, one yeah you're reading my mind i'm just thinking you have got you're such a total fucking loser <laughs> that the only thing you can be good at is beating someone new. Yeah. Oh, mate. I hope really unpleasant things happen to him. It's shit, isn't it? Like, I hope when he walks out of rooms, like, his clothes get tagged on the door hinge thing. <laughs> and I hope that he stubs his toe yeah. all the time on fucking and, tables. And and when they're walking around listening to headphones, they walk past something that snags the headphones and put, pulls it off their ears. Yeah. That kind of and stuff. And I hope, like, when they're biting their nails, that they pull it off and it gets stuck on the side and it really, it really hurts. Oh, God. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. I hope all those awful things happen to him. Oh, God. I just wanted to share that because I just thought, like... I mean, you want to be getting people into this game and you want to have fun. No one wants to play against someone who's, like being like mean and i just thought man no, like you that, should like your first game you should like just have fun with it and, yeah and like get them into the hobby because what are you gonna gain from that absolutely well nothing you're gonna that i mean that kid, i wouldn't be surprised if they never played it again because you just think what's the point you know and this is a person that's probably spent thousands and thousands on getting all the stuff man and he said there's a clo- local club leader yeah oh so man. i mean probably like a veteran of the if game. you are that guy and you're listening stop listening and fuck off and stop <laughs> listening to our podcast Oh, I mean, we're assuming... Well, have you ever done that, actually? Get in the bin. <laughs> Get in the bin. Yeah. God. Right. So that's the... that's the. I don't know why I brought it to a negative note at the end I of the show. I love it. I love it. Let's end on that. <laughs> yeah, let's end on that. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, fuck right. you, mate. So there you are. Yeah, we'll see you guys next month for... What the fuck are we going to do? Uh, probably a character study... And hopefully we'll find out more about the psychic awakening because we still don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I'm going to have a quick rundown next episode of Skulls as well. Cause remember, oh, the Skull program. Yeah, because mainly you shared something about it or I someone did. shared it and it was a different catalogue to the one that I saw. This was like a reward program back in the 2000s. and Yeah. Potentially the 90s. Oh, and I know why it got discontinued and everything. I've really researched it, but we didn't got time for it in this episode. Oh, mate. And I'll bring in my uh, Space Marine standard bearer from Skulls. Fuck. Really? Yeah, I got it. Oh, man. All I ever wanted was the Space Marine belt buckle, and I never fucking got it. Well, the Aquila. Mate, did you see those Mechanicus, like, set? Yeah. Oh, what the fuck? Where they? Where have they come from? Mate, that must be a collector's item now. I bet they're f- super rare and pricey. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll check on eBay after this podcast is finished. But until next time, everyone, yeah, you know, like, take care of yourselves. <laughs> yeah, look after yourself, roll lots of sixes, and uh, don't beat new people with the Space Marine Army that's tournament competitive. Bye.